Hello and welcome to the Panhandle Primate Podcast. I'm your host, Dexter Kearley. Thank you for joining me today. Um, it's been a while since I've uh, done an episode. I haven't had one out this month. So I think my last one was September 30th, maybe. Um, and it's funny because I had kind of made a commitment that I was going to start trying to make it more regular and keep up with it. But um, this has been a crazy month. So to start off, um, my father-in-law and uh, grandfather-in-law, can you say both of those? The, my father-in-law and my grandfather-in-law, they are, were selling some Angus cows. They uh, breed black Angus, and they did a sale down in Salado. So we went down to that. We took Emmett. He had a blast. He loves, I mean, I think as any kid does, he like loves big animals and uh, gets a kick out of it. So uh, we had a good time with that. Uh, they sold all their all the cows that they were trying to sell, which was good for them. And it was a really fun time. It's fun because I didn't really grow up around like Western culture necessarily. Uh, I didn't grow up being a cowboy. So it's fun now to like kind of get uh, to step into that world occasionally and just kind of uh, observe a little bit from the I guess from the inside, I'm. I feel like I'm still an outsider because I'm. I'm not a cowboy, but uh, it's fun to at least play and have a good time and and go to those things. So that was a few days. We went down to Stephenville and then we went to Salado, and then we went back to Stephenville and we drove back home. So that killed five days right there, where I didn't have an opportunity to do any podcasts. And then I've had uh, two guests cancel on me. Um, within I guess it be within like 24 hours and it's difficult because it's hard to line up guests for the next day most people plan several days in advance so whenever i have a a guest cancellation or something it it really kills that day which typically kills that week um it's just it's hard to it's hard for me to to be fair to my wife still work, be fair to my kid, um, and make these things come out semi-regularly. So I have to schedule it. And and then sometimes that happens. So, which it happens. I mean, it happens to everybody. But so I'm, I'm, it kind of showed me some of like my break points, maybe some of the spots where I need to work. And I think uh, I've never really wanted to do it, but I think I'm going to start stockpiling episodes. I, uh, up to this point, I have posted um, episodes as I record them. So, like, I recorded this episode earlier with Brittany, and now I'm um, trying to get this thing posted today. So, but I've realized that <clears throat> that kind of puts me in a corner, it puts me at a disadvantage, and makes it to where sometimes I can't get out episodes regularly. And you know, I'm hoping to develop an audience that hopefully is looking forward to these coming out. And so I'm going to try, I'm going to, I'm going to see what I can do and try to start posting or stockpiling some recordings. Um, let's see more consistent releases. So, uh, one of the other things that was kind of, kind of crazy that happened to me, I guess is, um, so we have yearly physicals at the fire department and, um, I had uh, a heart procedure um, nine years ago, or I guess nine and a half years ago now, before I got on the fire department, had this thing called Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, which was kind of a, 
uh, what do they call it? Uh, it's like a, an electrical thing. Like I had an extra pathway in my heart. And they had to go in and they did some ablations and everything in there. And when they when they did that, um, it kind of made my EKG look kind of funny. So I this year I had a new doctor for the first time since I got hired on. And the EKG threw him for like a loop. You know, he was like looking at it and he was like, dude, I just don't know, man. Like, um, I'm not as a medical professional comfortable with reading this. So I want a specialist to read this. So I went to a, um, the cardiology group of Amarillo. I saw this dude named, uh, Dr. Carthal, uh, cardiologist here, uh, maybe Cade. Carthal. I actually can't remember. I saw his first name, but I can't remember it now. Anyway, super nice dude. Turns out he had the, he had Wolf Parkinson White syndrome when he was um, a youngster, or I guess born his whole life until he had an ablation as well. So it's kind of funny because he walks through the door and the first thing he says is, "Hey, we both had the same thing." Um, and he went ahead and ordered an echo for me just to double check, make sure everything was good. And it just so happened that everything was good. He said, if like you cut my heart out on my chest, which kind of creeped me out when he said that, but if you did and you put it on a table, you wouldn't be able to tell any difference than like a textbook heart. He was like, it's perfectly fine. Everything was good. Cleared me. Um, so that was like, it's like kind of one of those things that, you know, I walk into the office and it's all old people and all people that, you know, have, you know, really bad problems with their heart you know and then i'm bebopping in there i i wasn't even really worried about it i figured that they wouldn't find anything wrong because i'm not symptomatic or anything but anyway it was an interesting experience it was fun um to you know be able to actually get that high level of uh what would it, it wouldn't be care like inspection you know like they they sonogrammed my heart basically they echoed my heart and they kind of looked into the what was happening in there you know they like followed the blood going around my heart it was just kind of a cool thing uh you know the human body in itself is like an amazing thing and um just the stuff that they can do is amazing so anyway um all of that to say perfectly healthy nothing to worry about um just a good precaution so today's guest is uh, Brittany Bush. She is an art teacher in Perryton. She is also the artist who painted my cover art um, and I guess contributed the first bit of oh wait I think I'm wrong. Uh, the first bit of studio art for my eventual studio once I get it. Um, it's kind of cool she sent me she sent me all of like her sketches and her, you know, like when she was kind of feeling it out and trying to figure out um, how she was going to make it look. So I kind of framed that all up. Uh, you can watch the YouTube video. I'm, I'm hoping to get all of the ones that I've recorded posted in the next day or two uh, to YouTube, but just uh, Google Panhandle Prime or maybe go straight to YouTube and look up the Panhandle Primate podcast and hopefully it'll pop up. If not, I'll work on that. So if you look at it and you don't find it, let me know. Shoot me a message or something. And that way I can, you know, help me help you, as they say. Um, anyway, let's see here. Where was that? Cover art. Um, this was, uh, it started off as an interview. I was interviewing her. 
but it digressed into just a conversation. Um, which I say digress, there's no uh, necessarily negativity. I'm not meaning like a negative, you know, it was good. Like it was, that's actually kind of what um, I always hope a podcast does. Like I start off with, I have all these questions and I kind of have a little bit of like what I'm wanting to know, but it's always best whenever I kind of get lost in the conversation. I mean, I say best, maybe it's bad. I don't know. But, um, you know, we just kind of started chit chatting and talking and it was really fun. I really enjoyed the, I enjoyed the whole thing. I felt like, um, she shared some wisdom about teaching. That was really cool. She highlighted some of the cool things about like, you know, I think a lot of the times, um, kids these days, if I can use that, like these days term, um, oftentimes they get slated and, and they get a bad rap as being snowflakes or being like a sissier generation or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're a sissier generation or if they're just the next advancement, you know? Uh, maybe, maybe there's always, I don't, I, what am I saying? Don't even worry about anything I'm saying right now. Just listen to the episode. Um, she has some really cool things to say about kids and uh, just some cool things to say about teaching. I think teaching is definitely like a, an under, hmm, under, it's, I don't want, I don't know if I'd say it's underappreciated. They're definitely underpaid and they're probably overworked. I mean, being in a room with like 30 kids, I can't think of something that would be more exhausting than having to wrangle 30 kids. Uh, but it was a super fun conversation. She, like I said, she has some good wisdom and she had some, uh, interesting insights into that. Um, this is part of the reason that I started the, a podcast, uh, just to begin with, was I wanted to get people like her on this podcast. She's never been featured as a guest on a podcast, but she should. She's an interesting person. She has a really interesting per, uh, well personality, but also perspective. Um, she has some really good things to say, and she's just an uh, interesting person, and and it's funny to me, like there's so much media highlighting all of these people, publicizing all of these people that are uh, famous and um, uh, whatever, wealthy or uh, they're celebrated. And, and there are a lot of people that I come in contact with on a regular basis that are ultra talented and should be celebrated as well. So all of that to say, I'm not necessarily like this isn't like a hype. Uh, episode. It's not like uh, she, you know, Brittany doesn't even really talk about herself the whole, like the whole time or anything, but um, it's just cool to hear, to be able to help project others' voices, people that are interesting, people who are really doing some good stuff in the world. I mean, educating the youth. I mean, what's more important than that? So let's see here. There is a little bit of explicit language in this episode. Uh, just going ahead and throwing it out there as a warning. Uh, I do think I dropped the F-bomb one time. Um, I kind of get lost in the conversation sometimes. And, and I, I'm i very easily worked up, you know. And like, uh, it's not lewd. Like, there's nothing lewd in our conversation as far as like, uh, I just, I think I just accidentally, I just dropped, dropped it, you know. And so I just wanted to go ahead and like throw that out there just in case um, there are any sensitive ears 
uh, out there. Just uh, just be aware of it. I mean, I don't know. Censorship is kind of an interesting thing, and like the power, like the power of words. You know, like a lot of the times we give words their emphasis. So like, I didn't even think about it whenever I said it, but I made it myself a note whenever I said it. Like, ooh, f bomb dropped. You know, like so it's kind of like, dang. You know, it's like. But one of those things, like, I don't want to, I want this thing to be unedited conversations, uh, slash, conversations slash interviews, so, uh, anyway, let's see here, where am I at? Uh, it's nothing lewd, but maybe explicit. Um, sometimes I forget that the, that the world is listening, you know, I just kind of, I forget that it's more than just the one-on-one conversation. Um, let's see here. So give my guest a follow on Instagram. Like right now at this point in the podcast, if you're watching on Instagram live, uh, Brittany Bush, um, uh, is on Instagram at Brittany Bush. Uh, she has some really cool stuff. She's doing this thing called Inktober, which we talk a little bit about in the podcast. Um, and she's got all of her pictures up there. Plus she does, um, some like, Instagram videos and Instagram live videos where she's like creating art uh, and she's painting and stuff. That's actually where the first time I saw her, we talk a little bit about that in the episode. Um, so, and it's, I find it entertaining. I, I sometimes like, you know, I'll watch for, uh, you know, two or three minutes and it's just kind of like, it's cool seeing somebody create something, you know? Um, I don't know. It's just something is, uh, uh, no, it's not really cathartic, but uh, ooh. sorry, my my phone dipped down, so I had to uh, so I had to uh, my phone dipped down between, below twenty percent, so I had to close that out so that Instagram Live would continue to run. Let's see. So Brittany Bush, follow her on Instagram. She is not on Facebook. Um. Also, if you like the show, share it with a friend. Um, that'd be awesome. You know, like in order, one of the things I've figured out and realized is like I've tapped my my uh, network. So the people who follow me on Instagram or the people who I'm friends with on Facebook, typically I am, I think that they have all been notified that I have a podcast. So I've kind of reached the extent of like my network, which is not very vast. I mean, I'm not uh, a social media butterfly, so to speak, more like a caterpillar. Like I'm in the I'm in the larva state. You know, I'm not really anything to look at. I'm not necessarily flying in those worlds. So um, it would be awesome if y'all could you could help me out um, and spread the word. If you don't like the podcast, then I imagine you're probably not listening to a 15-minute intro. So if you are hearing this, cool. Um, yeah, 15 minutes, man. I got to get better at this. So uh, also, so share the show with a friend. Uh, give me a rating or a review on iTunes. I have a Facebook group for Panhandle Primate Podcast, but I'm not very active in it. Like I said, I'm not really a social media butterfly. Um, But it is there and I do post to it and I'm trying, one of my goals is I want to post anytime any of my friends or any uh, previous uh, podcast guest 
or really anytime I find anything cool going on in Amarillo, I like to throw it in there and try to, um, you know, just try to get people together, you know, so if, if you, uh, are enjoy, if you enjoy this, if you enjoy my podcast, um, that's a great place to like plug in to, I don't, I don't want to say like alternative culture in Amarillo cause I don't really think it's alternative. There's nothing like exclusive about it. Like I think it's, um, like all of the stuff I post, it's like anybody can go to it. So it's not really alternative, but it is, uh, less mainstream. Uh, a lot of it is more grassroots, um, typically I know the person that's putting it on. So, I mean, it doesn't get much more grassroots or local than that. So, uh, let's see, Facebook group. Um, I think that's it. I think that I, let's see, I don't think I have anything else to cover. So I feel like I had something else to cover. Like I was thinking something in my head, but I lost it. Um, I was talking about that Facebook group. Oh yeah. I got my shake hands, Amarello. Give them a follow on Instagram. We got a tournament tomorrow. Uh, Shannon got, um, she got matched up with a killer in the first round. My buddy Jaime Lucero, he's coming out. He's playing some ping pong. One of uh, one of my compadres from the fire department, he's uh, pretty nasty on the paddle. So she, she drew a hard first round on that one. Um, but we've been training, so I think she's ready for it. Uh, I'm pretty psyched. I'm in the, uh, let's see, there's two, there's two brackets, the Beethoven bracket, which is like the top bracket. I'm in the Hasselhoff bracket, which is the median bracket. I'm pretty happy with my seating. I saw some familiar names in the bracket. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good, a good day. So got that coming up tomorrow. Uh, like I said, give them a follow on Instagram or Facebook. If you're into ping pong, if you're interested in it, then definitely check it out. They, um, I mean, that's, that's the pink, that's the, that's the battlefield right now. That is the ping pong place in Amarillo. Uh, all the best are there. So, uh, super fun, super entertaining. And they, they throw some great events and they've been getting some badass sponsors. Like they've been getting beer sponsors. They've been getting, uh, I think they got sponsored by the palace or the paddle pal bleh, paddle palace, like dot coms or something like that. So anyway, uh, it's, it's a cool thing. It's pretty fun. And we got that tomorrow. So I'm going to get this released today being Friday and then hopefully be doing that tomorrow. So anyway, without further ado, um, 20 minutes in. So, uh, without further ado, this is Brittany Bush. I hope you enjoy the podcast. And, uh, like I said, reach out, let me know what you think. Uh, until next time, enjoy the, well, I guess until next time, enjoy the, uh, interview. But you ready to start this thing? I think so. All right. Um, welcome. So, so that's the kind of nice thing about all this is I can just edit it in mm-hmm. at any point in time. So yeah. you don't even you don't ever have to have like a hard like I I need a hard start. Like I feel like it would uh, maybe make the guests feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh-huh. Like okay, it's go time. We're good, you know. But yeah. instead of just like cutting it in, kind of wherever it, wherever it falls. But do what you want. So um, anyway, we're here with Brittany Bush. She did the uh, artwork, the cover art. I mean, I kind of framed that up. I'm, I want to start getting some like some uh, studio artwork mm-hmm. to where eventually, once I hit the big times, oh, yeah. and I have a studio, I can have something to like hang up in there, like It'll some mem- memorabilia or something, you know, yeah. like that. But um, so you grew up in Perryton? Yes. So I wasn't sure from your Instagram 
if you were from Perryton or Canyon. <laughs> so did you go to school at WT? Yes, I did. I um, born and raised in Perryton, then went to WT, hung around there for a couple years after I graduated, and then kind of reluctantly moved back to Perryton, mm. but now I'm very happy to be there. Mm. That's interesting. So mm-hmm. what ages were like the reluctancy and then what age was the like the uh, like happy like the uh, comfort? I tend to just dig deep roots wherever I'm at and then when it's time to leave, I just don't want to. So mm. leaving like when I graduated high school, I really had no reason to stay in Perryton, but I knew I had to go to college. And so kind of reluctantly went to WT. I'd never had to start over before. I'd mm. never had to make new friends. And so went to college. That ended up being my jam. It was awesome. Um, Dude, stayed. Does this look really loud or is it the headphones? Um, it's kind of loud. Do they've been doing some like, they've been doing some military flyovers or something. You know, they always mm-hmm. land them here. But sometimes it gets like real loud. I just didn't mm-hmm. know how loud. Sometimes it's yeah, louder it's than the headphones. Yeah. So... Um, well, anyway. But continue. So you, you decide you have to leave Perryton. I have to leave Perryton. Um, so end up loving it. I love Canyon. I love Amarillo. I just mm. love this place. And so um, I actually stuck around um, and then got offered a job because I got a degree in art. And once I graduated, that's when I was like, uh, I'm not prepared to find a career in this. How mm. do I make money? How do I make a living? Yeah. And so after kind of, it, it was about a year and a half of not, kind of aimlessly like eh, maybe this maybe that um, I was just offered a job mm. teaching um, in Perryton and so I was like let's try it and I'm still there it's five nice. years later and I love it yeah so how small of a town is Perryton oh gosh like 8,000 people 8,000 okay yeah, our graduating classes are normally about 120 oh, kids. okay so wow yeah not, so not too big was what is your uh, like take on the digital revolution and how it has like liberated the small town. Like you were saying, we were talking before the podcast about the killers. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I always thought was interesting about the small towns, whenever I meet kids from, you know, different little small towns around Texas Mm -hmm. is typically they all created a persona and then like found like a niche. Mm -hmm. So each of them was very archetypal, but they're all different, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in that uh, if that makes any sense. But one of the things I I thought of was like, okay, if they're not playing something on the radio, like for instance, let's say you get a dispatch CD in like early 2000s, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe like, yeah, like 2004 and you're living in Perryton and nobody's, they're not playing it on the radio. They're not playing it on TV. It's like your thing. Right. And there's no way for anybody else to get that thing, mm-hmm. you know, get even exposed to it. But now you have the internet and you have Instagram, you have all these things to where the the young person living in Perryton is getting exposed to the same material that the young person in Amarillo is getting exposed to, you know? Mm-hmm. There's not like a cultural shadow, so yeah. to speak. The interesting thing about it, and, and I'm fascinated because I get to watch high school happen mm. every single day and I get to kind of compare it to what my experience was and go back and analyze my Mm. own childhood almost, like every day. Um, Kids are pretty much exactly the same. Um, And I think they have all of that technology. And I said this the other day on something, but every single day I'll have a kid like playing a game on their phone 
and I'll say, hey, you're supposed to be doing this. Like you're supposed to be doing a drawing of the word tranquil. And they'll go, well, I don't even know what the word tranquil means. And I go, if you would look beyond that game, you have all of the knowledge you could ever want. Yeah. And they'll they'll ask me Googleable questions all the time. And I get so mad. That is so weird because you almost think that would disappear, right? With the Google. Yeah, Google, you would think, like, but at the same time, um, I think people a lot of times when they have privilege in their life, they can't see beyond the privilege. They almost take advantage of it and rest in the comfort mm. rather than using that privilege to like push beyond. Mm. If that makes any sense. It's like uh it's like a person that's born with no smell. Mm -hmm. They don't know what they're missing. But then the person that was just blessed to have smell their whole life, then at like mm -hmm. they get hit by a car and they lose their sense of smell. Now mm -hmm. it's it's the precious thing that I squandered and didn't pay mm -hmm. attention to. Right. You know, whereas exactly. you don't even know you're missing it if you have to Or I smell. think about the privilege I was born into versus like if you think about like financial privilege that I was born into versus someone who wasn't and how a lot of times those people can actually come up to meet you mm. because you don't take advantage of the fact that, oh, I, I could have been doing much more with this, but instead I just rest in the luxury mm. of the things I have. So I think that same mentality happens with like they have access to any music they would want if they're into like really edgy stuff. But they don't really have to because all the popular stuff is at their fingertips. So mm. let's just listen to that. And it's and pretty good. Yeah. A lot of that stuff is like, I catch myself sometimes, I'm like, I feel like a sellout because I like this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Dang. I have a, on Spotify, I have a So Sue Me playlist that's mm. like, yeah, I like it. Do you Get have a lot it. of followers on Spotify? No. 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 See, this is my thing. I, I'm kind of new to Spotify, and, and I feel like their interface is a little difficult. It's mm -hmm. not it's not intuitive right. like uh, like the, I, like the uh, podcasting app used to be before the update. Mm -hmm. It used to be pretty intuitive. It was really easy yeah. to get to where you're wanting to go. And uh, on Spotify, that's one of the things is I, I miss that aspect of being in high school, of being younger. We're used to share music with your friends all the time. Now mm -hmm. I'm afraid it's gonna offend somebody or their kid. You know, I mean, there are kids around, and I'm and it says one dirty word. I mean, who knows? Mm -hmm. Or it's you know. Uh, let's see. I don't even know where I was going with that. Might have lost that one. But uh, oh, sharing music with friends. Right. So Spotify is perfect for that. Spotify mm -hmm. is perfect to share music. And and you know Hayden Pedigo. Mm -hmm. So. That dude, anytime I talk to him, he's just music, just music, music, music. And, and you like, okay, I'll stump him and I'll talk uh, about a new rap something that I heard on Spotify. He already knows about it. He knows about the whole rap gang the or the crew. He knows everything. It's like, it's deep, you know, uh, on all of the, and then I was like sitting there and I was like, man, I want to follow this guy on Spotify because mm -hmm. he's probably got badass playlists that mm -hmm. will like really open my, my eyes and my ears to like new, right. new things because he's like almost curating it for me, mm -hmm. you know, like I always love that aspect of friendship right. is you curate stuff for each other. Mm -hmm. You're like, um, that's kind of a cool thing. I, I actually got a. I want to talk about Harry Potter in a little bit, but my, my wife and her best friend bonded over sharing Harry Potter, oh, okay. you know, because as friends, they both, you know, they like binge re read, mm -hmm. which it's like, if you're going to binge, if you're going to be a binge person, 
binge reading is probably the best thing you could mm-hmm. possibly like be addicted to. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But they would like binge read these Harry Potter books in like a night. I'm a terrible reader. Always have been slow. So for me, it takes me like a month to read like a hundred page book. And they're reading like a thousand page book in a night. You know, like that's like fanatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that's one of the questions I was going to ask you about. That's a... Uh, we can jump around here. I don't okay. really care. But one of the creative process, uh, like whenever you, it seemed like you had a lot of different like pops in your Instagram of uh, Harry Potter, uh, like mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, you know, like you mm-hmm. had all these different where it was like kind of themed, mm-hmm. but it was all in a particular style, which mm-hmm. was cool. So it was almost yeah. like generated art. It was art generated for a specific purpose with a specific skill set. But there's something really cool when people do that, you know, right. like there's something mm-hmm. uh, like the same thread is like woven through it, you know. So right. like one of the questions I was going to ask you about that was like, how do you, how do you whenever you're deciding to work on like a, a multi thing project, you know, like multiple pictures of this or mm-hmm. how do you pick the style that you want to like go for within it? Uh, I think it's pretty much just my style I'm trying to a lot of times when I'm doing things like that with pop culture um, I'm experimenting with my style and trying to develop it but I'm using images that I know other people will recognize I'm trying to use characters or um, like a common theme that I know people have seen before Mm -hmm. and just translating it into almost like this is how it would look in my world. Mm. And so that way I'm not bringing or throwing brand new imagery or just something that someone doesn't recognize and also in my style. I'm just giving them like one variable to process at a time. Well, and I guess one of my one of my aspects is like the way I play music is based off of limitations. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not like I'm limiting myself to this. It's like mm-hmm. I'm playing at the extent of my ability. And so for like a lot of artists, me, if I was to sit down and draw something, I'm drawing to the extent of my ability. But what I thought was interesting about like just those in particular to me was the contrast of the ability, like you can do realistic, you can do, you know, you have all these different tools Uh uh, at your disposal, but then you, then you pick a certain, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that, that was kind of interesting. Like me for my, I guess my whole life I've always been, my style has been dictated based off of my limitations, Mm -hmm. even in fashion and all these different things. It's, I'm not good at it. So this is what I look like versus somebody that's like, I'm good at it. And I choose to look like this, you know, it's like a slightly different. So like, how do you, how do you develop that? Like, how do you decide, okay, I want to, I want this to look like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, how? where does that come from? I guess if we're speaking, like, about a specific thing, I keep thinking back to my Breaking Bad series that mm-hmm. I'm doing. Um, that I, I don't know how long ago I started it, maybe three or four years ago now, where every single time I watch an episode of Breaking Bad, I make a piece of artwork to go with it. Um, just because I watched this, I've watched the entire series and really liked it. It made me think a lot, and so... One day I was like, I want to restart, I want to rewatch it, but I'm going to make myself make a piece of artwork for every episode so that I force myself to really think, like Mm. really consider what is this show trying to say. Um, And so I think with each episode, maybe 
would kind of dictate what style I was going to mm. go for. Um, and it also sometimes is really dependent on what artists I may be looking at or really obsessed with at the time. And like, I'm going to try and do it like this because I really like the way their artwork is looking right now. And so I don't know. I don't know that there's like really a conscious effort to make it look a certain way. Yeah. Um, really, I, I think my whole life is an experiment. Like kind of more of like a conduit. You're almost like a conduit. Like yeah. you're just like, um, it's kind of effect and are like cause would that be cause and effect like something you see something and then it affects you and then it expresses Mm -hmm. this way kind of Mm -hmm. thing and it's so is that like a liberating feeling because one of the things i was thinking of with like working with kids is it's cool because uh art is another language it's a way of expressing yourself and communicating with the world And then so whenever you open kids' eyes to when they like – when it clicks in their mind like, oh, this is a language. I can manipulate it. I can Mm -hmm. use it and make it, you know, work for me. Uh, That seems like a – for a lot of people, maybe if they're dealing with like some stress, you know, or some uh, shitty life circumstances or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's a way of like processing the shittiness of it Mm -hmm. and making it something that other people can then – react with them about or something like that maybe like the therapeutic nature of making it like a language you know uh, yeah and even the power that you get knowing that i can draw a line a certain way to express an emotion i can draw a crazy squiggly scratchy line and that means i'm angry Mm -hmm. or i can draw really smooth calm lines and that means you know i'm pretty chill right now and i think i mean going back to teaching and telling my students things like that you do kind of see like something click or their eyes brighten when they realize like i have control over that Mm -hmm. it's like yeah you do you can say things without saying things is that um like oh man i'm gonna turn off the ac real quick all right pause pause Pause. people i'm gonna keep it rolling quit listening yeah quit listening for a minute if you have like a public service announcement or something you can (laughs) go follow me on Facebook. Dang it. It's like 66 degrees in here. Wow. All right. That'll click off in a minute. That's probably terrible podcasting etiquette to like leave your guest <laughs> mid, mid conversation, mid uh, thought. I've just been saying things to the camera while you're gone. That's fine. That's fine. That that's uh, okay. So um, okay, the question. Let's see. I don't exactly remember the question I was going to ask you, but the question I'm currently thinking of mm-hmm. is, what is it? You know, some kids are just not artists. You know, like they're just right. not. They're hopelessly not artists. Like right. the way that I'm not. I mean, I, I'm starting to become a little bit more of a dancer because my wife, she likes to dance and groove mm-hmm. and everything. And so I'm like starting, you know, it was never really in my household before. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of in my household. And I got a little two-year-old, which mm-hmm. it's fun to be goofy around a two-year-old, right. you know. So I'm starting to feel a little bit. But I'm not a dancer, you know. Right. Then I see other people and they just naturally, like they're mm-hmm. just, they're naturally dancers or whatever. Mm-hmm. So whenever you find one of these kids that's like naturally an artist, mm-hmm. um, what is that like? Number one... Does it feel like stumbling upon like a, like a product, you know, like a, like a buried treasure? It's like, oh, they're always going to remember me as the teacher who taught them 
taught them how to do art, uh-huh. but they're actually badasses themselves. Right. So I'm going to get credit, you know, for them yeah. being just badass in themselves, you know? Um, it depends on what you consider to be a good artist Ooh. because some students can render very well, meaning mm. they can they can draw something to look exactly like the thing that they want it to look like. Right. Um, and I don't necessarily always think that they're the best artists because I was always really good at rendering, mm. um, and it came naturally. But then when I got to college, I understood that it's not so much about being able to draw something that already exists, because what's the point of that? You've got to move beyond that, and you've Ooh. got to create new content. So I have some students who aren't really good at rendering, but man, their ideas are phenomenal. And so it it's kind of a push and pull, a back and forth. and. I always tell my kids the very first day of school, like, do not tell me that you can't draw a stick figure. If I had a nickel every time I've heard that in my life, I would probably not be a teacher. Yeah, I'd be, be living on a beach somewhere. Yeah, um, but um, I say, listen, some of us are really good at things like science and math, and others of us are really good at English and art. And if you're not good at um, English and art, that means that you're really good at math and this is life's equalizer. Mm. So get ready. Yeah. And I always kind of laugh about it. Like I was, I had to struggle through math. So you get to struggle through this. Mm-hmm. That's life. Mm-hmm. It equalizes all of us. But, um, I kind of laugh that off and say what I'm really, what I really mean by that is if you're really good at art and this comes naturally to you and you give me 50% mm. of yourself, I can tell. Yeah. Um, if you are not really good at art and you s- not slap things together, I see you work really hard and put something together that looks worse than someone who can slap something together. You get a higher grade than the person who slaps something together. Yeah. Like that's, that's just how it's going to be. And that can be kind of hard to grade. Sometimes it takes a lot of monitoring and a lot of observation on my part, but I'd like to think that it sets them at ease a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a student who's a, the other day he's in ag he does he shows animals and stuff and i was talking about the word craftsmanship and i said you know how does craftsmanship translate to showing animals i know nothing about that and he went into detail about what you have to do to show a pig and like even like shaving their hair on the side to give contour and make them look bigger because of the the angle of the line that mm-hmm. you and you have to have a steady hand to do that and i go okay you need to pay attention in my class more, dude. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could help you so much. <laughs> well, and it's it's like a, it's like the Bubba that gets off of out of a welding truck, you know, and he's all dirty or whatever, and you think, oh, this guy's not an artist. Mm-hmm. And then you look whenever he's messing around welding, mm-hmm. and it's like, damn, this dude is high a high level artist, mm-hmm. you know. Like you can't judge a book by its cover, and you can't mm-hmm. judge a craftsman. Like because like exactly. throwing a throwing a badass perfect weld or doing some of these things are definitely in the art realm. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's almost like you almost wish those people could like be freed to be artists, mm-hmm. to be considered because there's almost like a little bit of a man, what is it about like okay, that's one of the questions is like when did when did you di- like when did you know you were an artist? I, I probably would have started saying I wanted to grow up to be an artist when I was maybe eight years old. Mm. I've always loved drawing. I've always loved making things. And so from a pretty young age, I've always been pretty confident about my art and knowing that 
that was what I was good at, so that's probably what I should roll with. Mm-hmm. I'm probably never going to be an athlete mm. or a mathematician. So, isn't art. that interesting <laughs> that at eight years old? Because I, I, this is what I was thinking about when you were saying, uh, talking about the the kid that's trying really hard versus the kid who's naturally good at it. Mm-hmm. Because it depends on the scale at which you're judging their ability. Mm-hmm. If you're judging their ability on, hey, by the time you're 18. Who can do sh- who can do anything at eighteen? Like I think back to my eighteen year old self, and I'm like, dude, even the things I thought I was good at, mm-hmm. now looking back, I knew I was just maybe talented at it, but I wasn't good at it. You know, I had right. a natural inclination, but but it takes that work and that time. So you have mm-hmm. somebody who goes from sixteen to seventeen, and they get better from they push themselves from drawing a stick figure to drawing like maybe a 3d hand or Mm -hmm. they, they, they move into an anatomy, you know, instead of just the figure. Mm -hmm. And, um, so you see that progression in one year from 16 to 17, what's that person going to be producing if they continue to, to progress at that rate at Mm -hmm. 65, right? Right. You know, you start measuring it that long term versus the natural renderer, Who's never going to pick up another pencil again because they don't care, you know? Or they don't think they need to. They, they don't think, think they're, they're neat. They think they're good enough already. Yeah. And I think that might be why I'm so critical of those kids because I kind of was that kid in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told, because I I drew from such a young age, I was, I was told my entire life that I was awesome. That you oh. are so good at art. You're so great. And then I get to college and I had one professor say, you ain't shit. And it was like, what? Yeah. And I was not prepared for it, but at the same time, I loved it. I just mm-hmm. was like, tell me that every day because that's, if you don't, I don't know. It's like there's no fire whenever everyone's telling you that you're great and no one's challenging you well, ever. Well, see, that, that's, all, that's so, a professional environment. Yeah. Like a professional environment regularly tells you you are nothing. Like you are not shit. You need to work harder. You yeah. need to this and then. You know, and, and it, but it takes those elevated, the master, like if somebody, it can't draw very well or is not an accomplished artist and they're telling you that, you don't listen to them. Well, and I'll, and even to this day, I'll have people, you know, whether it's comments on my posts or people in person telling me like they love this, they love Mm. that. There's a few people that when they tell me they like something, it sticks with me, but it's those times that someone gives me a criticism that like eats away at me in the best way oh in the absolute best way that it's like it's it's bothering me because it's true and i need to work through it and that's when i grow the most yeah it's when you actually see the truth of your work not necessarily what oh yeah Mm, and a lot of times it's stuff that i thought in the back of my head damn like yeah that's the worst i knew it see that's (laughs) the best thing about being married is you have somebody around you that continually tells you the things that you know anyway, but 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 you're not letting yourself see. Right. You know, they're just like, ah, you look like an idiot, and it's like, damn, I do look like an idiot. You know, like if it's a good relationship, I guess. You know, but yeah, um, yeah, you want somebody who's gonna give you that because then you, as an artist, can take your next step. Mm-hmm. You know, if nobody's is, pushing yeah, you, it's you liberating. Can't, yeah, it, like it, it almost allows you. Like when you're called on the carpet, it's almost like they open a door for you to move on from that. Because now Ooh. you know, like, I, I can't stay here. You realize that there to. is something further. It's, it, the light has been shown, or it's shining on my sin. I have to move on. Yeah, <laughs> like, that is interesting. It's in the light now. So, um, 
Yeah. So even so, mm. I, I try to do that for my students. Um, I also know that, you know, I'm working with teenagers. I'm working with kids that have, you know, very, very fragile self-esteem. Mm. Um, so I have to be careful. But at the same time, when I know they can take it, that's when I'm like, okay, you can do more. I know you can handle it. So I'm just going to tell you the truth because I respect you. Mm. You can do better than this. And so... Um, because I, I want I want them to have that opportunity for someone to tell them the truth. Because again, like we do, um, I know we grew up in a generation where it was, we were encouraged and we were given compliments for everything. Whether or not we did a good job, it was, well, you tried, so I'm really proud of you for trying. Mm. Um, and I don't know if our generation's gonna, because I, I hear that generation's kind of our pendulum shifts, like, with our kids, we're going to be a little harder on them or a lot harder on them than our parents were on us because they think that millennials are snowflakey mm-hmm. and we can't handle criticism. Um, I lost my train of thought. Um, I I go back and forth with, do I need to be really, really hard on them? Or is there something to kind of just encouraging and giving gentle pushes? Yeah. It's like the, uh, the like Kung Fu master, like the Mr. Miyagi type (laughs) where sometimes you got it. You got to give people confidence. Mm -hmm. You have got like, that's one of the things like my wife's an editor. And so anytime I write something, she'll edit it for me. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like one of those things she can't, which I don't think she could crush my confidence or whatever. But she has to have those moments where she says, hey, you're really good at this. But, you know, so I need that little bit of, mm-hmm. I see potential in this. I think it's going to be good, mm-hmm. but it's not there yet. Yeah. And you need this and this and this and this and this. And then you start seeing like, it's that um, winning is an option almost. But you're not winning yet. You know, you're practicing. Mm-hmm. But winning is an option. As long as you think that winning is an option, you're going to continue to work towards it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, versus, you know, the first time I draw something or the first time a kid sings. Like, I hear that a lot, like, where kids are saying, like, hey, I was on the playground at in fourth grade and I sang and somebody made fun of me. And they said, you sound like a dying frog. Mm-hmm. Well, damn, I can't sing. So you never try to sing again. So right. of course you can't sing because you don't try to sing. You know, like mm-hmm. it's a cause and effect thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that environmental, like uh, either encouragement or discouragement is so interesting because, like art, there is no difference between your hand and my hand. Like on a analytical, like right. if I were to look at it scientifically. Mm-hmm. But then there is a huge difference between your hand and my hand. Yeah. You know? Like and it it's just so it's super interesting like that we focus so much on those things that make it special, you know? Like what is what is special that I can do with these you know, I don't know exactly know where I'm going with that. <laughs> but I do got questions. So where are we at here? Uh okay, so you were naturally talented. That was one of my questions. I Suppose as at humbly, rendering as, hum, as humbly as I can say, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I'm. 
I'm awesome. Yeah. I've always been awesome. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, yeah. I've always been awesome at it. You know, it's like me. I've always been good at like digging fence poles, you know, like digging <laughs> fence posts Man, or whatever. If there was one thing I wish I was good at. It's digging fence I know. It, it's kind of one of those things. It's kind of like a blessing and a curse, you know, because then, then the person you're working for won't ever hire an auger because they're like, hey, you're pretty good at digging, digging holes, you know? Mine's a curse too because people find out I like to draw and they're like, well, can you do this for me for free? Oh, and yeah. Like, it's like, mm. bitch, time is money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you love doing it. So if you love doing Ooh. it, you should do this for free. And I'm like, you're right. Yeah. Let me let me go get my pencils. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it for you. <laughs> Bullying you into, into doing artwork. So oh, yeah. um, when did you realize that art was more than a hobby? Hmm. I think probably whenever art became an elective option in school. Ooh, so maybe damn. like junior high. Yeah. Um, when I could take art as a class and it was like, okay, cool. I get to like really take a class and really be challenged. And um, I mean, up until then it was, I have notebooks and I just draw whatever mm. I want. And now getting into the world of the teacher's going to tell me what to draw. And I have to draw the thing that they ask me to draw, whether I can or not, I'm, that's what I have to do. Um, so probably around junior high. Did you ever have something like stumped you? Like you're just mm. like, I just can't, like, I can't draw the back leg of a horse. I just can't do that. Yes. Okay. And it haunts my dreams. Um, <laughs> whenever I was in eighth grade, there's they still have the same teacher that I had um, in junior high. He's still there to this day. And he does this same project in the eighth grade due to a pastel of an animal. And everyone looks forward to it because it's the biggest project that you do and you use a grid and everyone's always looks pretty mm. realistic and everyone's always excited. Like in eighth grade, I get to do the pastel. Oh, and so I did nice. a, a pastel of a cat and it ended up like being a really fat cat. And oh. It didn't look very good. And um, I didn't get a prize. I didn't get a ribbon at the oh, art show. Man. And this other guy got a ribbon and he got best in show and he like walked over and made a point to like make fun of me oh. for it. <laughs> And to this day, I've never done another freaking pastel in my life. Because oh, it just, that is so funny. It was just so sad. Was it Was it like, at, at the time, see, because, and I, I don't know if this is just being a boy growing mm-hmm. up, um, I, I don't exactly know, but it was kind of like one of those things where I almost would expect somebody to do that. Like, like come up to oh, me yeah. and be like, dude. I just will. I'll, you're supposed to be good at this. Yeah. You're supposed to be good at this, uh-huh. and I just beat you. You yeah. know, like it's just like yeah. that. Just was like the mode. Like that's almost how you say good job. Yeah. You know, it's like you yeah. go over and make fun of them. You know? Yeah. I look at it now, and I'm like, they only made fun of me because they were just so proud that they did a better job it than was I a did. Huge and, accomplishment. And, that, and that same. Going you were back the Goliath. To... You were the Goliath. <laughs> Everybody roots for the David, and you yeah. were the Goliath. And it feels so terrible to be like, I was struck down with a rock. Oh, it hit me. I didn't see it coming. Who and would have thought? But uh, last year, I remember there was a girl in one of my classes, and she was super smart, wicked smart, and she ended up doing bad on a quiz, and everyone else did better than her, and all day they were talking about it, and I just got so defensive of her. I was like, y'all are so mean. This girl. Like, why like, would you what? be, why are you making fun of her? Because she's smart. <laughs> and But then I was like, oh, sorry, it's just my pastel trauma coming yeah. up. Well, that's so funny, because like, it's like you feel, it you feel sorry for them, uh-huh. but it's like, it's like people making fun of somebody because they're beautiful. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel sorry for you. But only so much, yeah. you know. It's like, 
It's yeah. like, come on, you know, maybe like like a, a bad photo, a bad paparazzi photo of a celebrity. Exactly. It's like, you know what? That poor thing. I, but also, I'm really glad that they look like that sometimes. It's like, yeah, it's like, who doesn't look like shit sometimes, you know? I mean, if, if I had a person that was trying to snap a picture of me, uh, a good picture of me, it would take them a very long time. Most of the pictures would be me, like a, a bad paparazzi shot. That's what, mm-hmm. like, 95% of my life is, you know? Mm-hmm. Them, it's like 5% of their life. They're a bad paparazzi shot, you know? Yeah. And they get made fun of, and then we're like, oh. <laughs> Poor people, but, but I feel better, so it works out. Yeah, but if we if we fast forward, I don't what's it been fifteen years? Um, now, if I'm you know have a document camera on every day, and I have you know twenty kids at a time watching what I'm drawing in real time, mm. and I'll draw something and it doesn't work out, I just look at them and I shrug and I go, it's no big deal, you guys. Y'all can laugh at me, but also like if you mess up on something. Who cares? This is what happens. Mm -hmm. Is you shrug and you go to the next page and try again. Mm. And so now it's like, I'm glad that that happened. It was going to happen Mm -hmm. inevitably. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went to college and it happened like every week. Yeah. Where, you know, oh, I'm not the best, you know. And then you see somebody who seems effortless at it. And it almost makes you like mad because you're having to work, Mm -hmm. you know. But then they, so so it's interesting because I feel like this is the same thing with sports. But, like, everybody in the NFL, every single person, even the people who are not playing in the NFL, were always the best person on their team. Mm-hmm. The whole district was talking about them. Everybody knew that they're the best football player. And now, you know, every at every level, you know, they almost get humbled. Like, mm-hmm. you get kicked down a notch. Everybody's the best, mm-hmm. right? In college, every single person is the best person on their high school team. Mm-hmm. And then only a few percentage of them make it to that next level where, you know? Right. And so it's interesting where that breakover is, where you start realizing that the pond that you grew up in was small and the mm-hmm. actual pond of the you know world is huge. Right. And in that, there is no best. There's only uh, best right now, you know, mm-hmm. not, not best all the time. So it's kind of yeah. an interesting... Uh, I don't know, is that a blessing, maybe? I think so, because you could even be the best in the world, and then what? So what? But see, what You're is the being... best at this one little thing, and there's so many other things in the world, so it's almost like you can't, you can't get hung up on that. Mm. It's all, it all just has to be relative to your journey and your life, and I don't know, like think about Michael Jordan. He was the best at basketball in the world couldn't get any better so he was like let's try baseball yeah Mm, no yeah didn't work out um but it's crazy to see people who become the best at everything but then you see like that's not really even enough still Mm. they still need to pursue something bigger even when there's nothing bigger and so uh, i have to remind myself of that a lot that it's like there's always going to be someone better than you but even if there's not why like why why do you want that mm-hmm. why does that matter and it's almost like a generated category like a lot of the times whenever you think somebody's better than you it's a category you've made up in your head like a mm-hmm. competition that you've created oh yeah you know and it's like oh they're winning at it and it's always been like one of the things with me is for music um anytime i've i'm not a talented musician by any means but anytime I do sit with like a true savant, you know, like a like a some of these people that you just put anything in their hands and it just it instantly erupts mm-hmm. in like 
not only is it like it's not like they copy you know because i don't really not that i don't respect that when somebody can sit down and rip out like Mm -hmm. a a led zeppelin song or something Mm -hmm. you know that's cool and i can't do it but there are some people that you know they can just sit down and riff all day they just memorize almost like rendering you know Mm -hmm. they've like memorized all these songs right but then you have somebody that sits down and the guitar is out of tune and they pluck on it for a second and then it just it's like how do you how are you making that make music but it's making music i've never Mm -hmm. heard that song before and i'll never hear it again but they're just ripping it like instantly right um like that effortlessness it's like uh everybody wants it but you can't practice it maybe maybe you can practice it maybe you put yourself in that in that but that's one of the things that's cool about like art and being an artist and one of the things one of the questions i had for you is like they're like uh like banksy he develops a specific style he starts doing this like performance artwork Mm -hmm. and then the brand banksy is the art Mm -hmm. so he can he can put out something that anybody could do but because it's a banksy piece then it makes it art you Mm -hmm. know but I don't, I don't know. I'm sure he's probably like a classically trained, badass, whatever. But you might take... We may never know. Yeah, we may <laughs> never know. But you might sit him down. He might be like, no, I'm not a painter. I'm an artist, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I'm not a renderer. I'm an artist, you mm-hmm. know? But then there are people, and I feel like most of art is this, that, that admire past art. To the level, you know, that it properly needs to be. Like, so this is my art teacher. Part of teaching art is getting them to create their own thing. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you have to teach them what art is. Like, it almost expand their mind on, into, like, what art actually is. So there's, like, an education Mm -hmm. aspect with with the technical side of it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was one of the things I was going to ask you was, like, when did you decide to teach others versus just do it yourself? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, it's kind of a funny and it almost like a selfish thing that after college, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And so I hung around um, Canyon for a while. I was working at Palace Coffee and, you know, doing some artwork on the side, doing some When did you work there? What was your time frame at Palace? Uh, 2013 to summer 2014 okay so i did a year and a half there oh nice and in that time i kind of you know i was enjoying coffee because off coffee and art are so closely related Mm. and um made a lot of connections there um, while i was working there but um my mom was a teacher growing up and everyone always told me your mom's such a good teacher i would i still meet people to this day your mom was my favorite teacher and everyone would say you should be a teacher because you you're so much like your mom and you'd be such mm-hmm. a good teacher and i was kind of born with a hipster mentality i think where i was like no i'm going to be my own person if you tell me i should do this i'm not doing it mm-hmm. and so i teaching was not only never on my radar it was kind of like no my mom did that that's not my identity that's hers yeah and but then I worked in coffee for a while and it got to a point where it's like, okay, I, I need to make a decision, I need a career, and this job was just offered to me. It was crazy. They just said, Hey, will you come talk to us? But basically we want you to teach here. And I said, Okay, well, I'll I'll look into it and then got the job and said, 
you know, I'll get, I'll get certified to teach and a certificate lasts five years. So I have five years to decide if I really want to do it. That's not too long. And, um, then I got there and I was like, well, everyone was right. Like, this is my jam Mm. and this is what I'm good at. And like, it, it's not necessarily, you know, attached to my mom at all. It's my own thing. And, but at the same time, it's like, I don't mind that my mom was a good teacher and I am too. It's, it's great. Well, and your mom raised you. Yeah. So she was probably being a good teacher to you, you know? Mm-hmm. So just like yeah, the way, because that's the thing is if you have a good coach, you can be a good coach, mm-hmm. you know, but it almost has to be, it's almost one of those things that like has to be modeled for you. A little yeah. Bit, and, you know? the, and the older I get, like the cooler and cooler my mom is to me Ooh. where it's like, you know, you, yeah. you have that moment where you're like, I'm acting more and more like my parents every day. And like, I don't necessarily mind that. Like, yeah. my mom's really cool. Oh, yeah. It I gets, mean, they raised me, and I'm cool, so yeah. they must be cool. It gets way worse, because you start, <laughs> like, I find myself now, like, I, I, do, I do dad things. Like, and I don't even think about it, you know? It's just, like, one of those things that just, like, comes out of me, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, damn. You know, like, I have to reframe... I used to think, which granted, I don't know if I've ever been like cool, you know, but I had to like reframe my, my view of myself as you are not cool. Like, you know, uh-huh. like whatever the definition of cool is, you're not cool, but maybe that's cool, you know, mm-hmm. like, but that's yeah, what every parent exactly. like falls into. So now Emmett, whenever he hits 10 and eight years, I'm not going to be cool. Yeah. You and know, it to him matter. until maybe he's like 30. Maybe yeah. I'll never be cool again. Well, but. and even in teaching, I, I feel like my first couple of years, just because I was such a young teacher, I had a hard time like letting loose and being like really weird. Mm. Like my, I'm really weird. And so I had a hard time like letting them see that. And I had to like have a cool facade because I'm like the young teacher. Yeah. And now I can actually see other teachers who try and be cool and I like cringe when I see like no they're not like they're trying to be cool and it's so uncool and so now it's like guys like we're gonna learn all this vocab with a dance routine because that's who I am yeah and that's what's gonna happen <laughs> and I don't care because this is my classroom and I get and I'll care if it looks stupid I just want you to know all this vocab and you know that's and it's almost I can I can look back now on teachers or professors I've had who did dorky stuff like that, mm. and to me like the older I get, they are cool. It's like they're a sign way, of confidence. Yeah, and they're way cooler than the people who tried to be cool. Mm. And so now I'm like, yep, let's quit trying to be cool because it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing. So, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? You like, back on it and you're like sometimes trying to be cool is it's always embarrassing. Actually, mm-hmm. like I think I'll look back. In 10 years, I'll look back on this time in my life and be like, oh, man, how embarrassing, you know? <laughs> but I think if you don't do that, that's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. To look back and cringe on what you used to be, and I think I'm, like, copying verbatim something John Mark McMillan said that I heard recently. If you don't look back on yourself and cringe a little bit, then there's something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You should you should do that because that means that you're growing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I definitely look back on my first couple of years teaching and I definitely like, cringe oh. a lot. Like, oh, Brittany, you were so <laughs> wrong. <laughs> like, that was not cool. But I'll probably look back on how I am now and be like, why did you make them dance and wear art history socks all the time? That's some things so some things never go out of style. And I think making kids do dorky things 
That's something that will never go out of style. It's like yeah. archetypal part of the human race. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can go to the most remote hunter-gatherer society and there's going to be pranks and goofy stuff that they oh, do, yeah. you know, that they do to each other. It's just part of uh-huh. part of the whole thing. And and it's you know what's creepy is when somebody's not being that way because you can tell that they're suppressing their true self mm-hmm. to present you an artificial self. And that's creepy because because then it's like, "Oh, you're trying to be cool." Which means you're not being you, which means I don't know who you are, you yeah. know, almost a thing. It's like it creates exactly. an unstable uh, foundation. Yeah, and as, a, and as a teacher who my job is to get them to, like, express themselves, mm. it, it's almost a requirement that I have to be myself. They have to be comfortable around me. And so if I'm trying so hard to be cooler than all of them and be above them, there's no way that we can have that kind of relationship. Yeah. So... I've definitely come to realize that cool is not important. So cool is not important. That's pretty okay. So I think I'm gonna jump around because there was some stuff I was wanting to get to. Um, let's see. Make sure hit that. Uh, so I was gonna talk to you about Inktober, which you're in yeah. the middle of. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's several of my friends on Instagram that are doing this, mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty cool to see. It, I like it. One of the things I like is whenever you build rituals that age with you. Mm-hmm. So you can be doing Inktober as a 16-year-old, 30-year-old, 60-year-old. Mm-hmm. It ages with you. You're never going to outgrow right. it. But it's something that will always push you. You know, like football, to me, it's something you outgrow. You don't mm-hmm. see very many 30-year-old men just strapping on the pads. You know, mm-hmm. it outgrows you. Um, dang, what was I saying with that? Uh Work. Oh, Inktober. Yeah. So work versus inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like, do you view something, is it almost one of those things like you're always going to be inspired? You just have to get started on, on a project or, or do you wait for the inspiration to get started? With on Inktober project? specifically? Or with just maybe anything, but maybe Inktober. Like I was more using Inktober as like, that's a work. Like it's like a, one of the things like you're saying, I'm going to get a piece of artwork out every day. Uh-huh. So you can't wait to be inspired yeah. because if you do, you're not going to get anything done. You right. know? What's interesting about Inktober and what makes it a little different, um, if you do it this way, is that they, they have an official prompt right. list and they have mm-hmm. words to go off of. And so um, I did it last year and I followed the prompt exactly. Um, but then it was just kind of whatever word it was, I thought of something that that word fit and then drew it. Um, but even then, it was hard to curate my ideas because I would come up with a few for each word. And so this year, I've narrowed it to where it has. To, I'm following the prompt, but it has to be hands. I have to draw a hand mm, and yeah, it has to express that. that word. And so with that limitation, it's forced me to sit down every day and really think about it. And so rather than like waiting for inspiration to come, it's like no, I I have a quota almost, or I have I have a mission. And it has to be a hand and it has to fit this word. And some days it's been really tough and it's been some of my favorite drawings. Mm. Um, but other times, I don't know, inspiration is is weird. It's You can't control it. It happens or it doesn't. So one of my questions was going to be on your Instagram feed. You have the pictures of the, the watercolor of the, of the uh, like a overview of land, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And I, I thought that was cool because... You know, I haven't flown a whole lot in my life, but that's one of like the first inclinations that I'm like coming home 
is whenever mm-hmm. I look out the window and I see that like kind of pattern mm-hmm. on the landscape, mm-hmm. you know, um, I call them, I call them the flatland quilt, the flatland quilt. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And in a very capitalistic frontier manner, it's all divided perfectly in a grid, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like to be chopped up and sold, you know? Yeah. And so you like look out and you see this and you're like, Oh, okay. You know, you see mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's interesting. Like little, little patterns on a quilt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but stuff, it, was that inspiration or was that, um, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of, cause I'll look at it. I've seen that same thing so many times, but I've never really thought to draw it. You know, the, the older that I get, my inspiration is more of, it really has nothing to do with art. Um, but I, I'm inspired by something and then I think, how can I express that? And so lately, I've just felt there's been this just explosion of passion and excitement for the panhandle of mm-hmm. Texas. Oh, yeah. And um, it, it just seems like at first I was like, it's because I'm from here. That's why I like this place so much. But I, I know people who are not from here who feel the exact same way that I do about this place. And so I was like, how do, what, what is it about this place? What's something that I can illustrate and just be thinking about, like, I'm, I'm just inspired and I'm excited about this place right now. And what, what is it? What is it about this place? And so that was one of my first ideas was, well, our flatness obviously Mm -hmm. is something that I think a lot of people who grew up here, they say the word flat and they say it like that, like it's flat here. And it's like, no, that's cool. That's what makes it cool is that it's flat. Yeah. And how do I visually represent that this place is flat Mm. and make people understand that it's awesome? And, you know, it's like I think Georgia O'Keeffe already did that in a way that I would like to. Um, So I kind of have to go a different route. Um, But, yeah, I think that's where that idea came from. Not so much that... Um, I was inspired to make that piece, but I was inspired by a place and needed to vent it some way. Mm. And it was like, well, obviously art somehow. And so that's where I ended up doing those. Well, seeing, um, so the reason, uh, the first time I heard about you was Mm -hmm. when you were actually doing an Instagram live (laughs) with Wilson the Mew. I was doing an Instagram live and then he joined you. Wilson invited himself into it. <laughs> that is like a weird aspect of like Instagram live. Um, people can just be like, hey, I'm in. Well, so what had what had happened was I had a friend who was asking me a ton of questions about watercolor and she was wanting to do it. And mm. uh, my friend Elise and I said, um, well, how about I go live this weekend and you can just ask me questions as I go. Uh, and she said, okay. And I had a bunch of people join in or yeah. not a bunch, but a, a handful more than I thought mm-hmm. would. And they were all asking me questions. And I'm like, this is cool. I'm going to do this next week. And so I did it the next week and, um, I, and I hadn't really done a whole lot of live Instagrams before. And so I had this notification pop up and I don't think anyone was watching at the time. Um, and so I had a notification pop up that said, Wilson Lemieux wants to join your live. And I look and I'm like, well, no one's watching. So I don't know what this means. So I just clicked <laughs> OK. And he started like narrating what I was doing. <laughs> and it was so funny. And um, then like you joined in and a couple other people joined in and then quickly left because it was the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, surely there's a niche of people who would like. Well, what that was what, was, that day, what but... was so strange was like. 
And granted, I think I maybe started following. I don't know when I started following him, but you know, I saw Gunner was working with him, so I started following him because it was like, mm-hmm. you know, anytime I see somebody doing something cool or participating in something cool in the Panhandle, and it seems like they're a company or they're here, you know, they're a person that is here. I like to follow them just because, hey, I might see something that's happening here that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a good way of like standing can. can uh, contact or whatever with the ground um but so i saw him pop up with instagram live and i didn't really know what instagram live was Mm -hmm. necessarily i mean i've I've seen it or whatever but i well i click on it and it pops up and it's you painting and him Mm -hmm. narrating and i'm kind of like i was like a little confused (laughs) at first because i I was kind of like is this like is he working like are they working together or like I didn't know. I have no clue who's connected to what and who's doing what for what, you know. But I saw it, and I it, it, there's something about watching like watercolor mm-hmm. going onto like a page, mm-hmm. um, that it's like. Well, that's why I was got me on this whole topic was uh, Amarello feels like. Oh, that might be my wife's phone. Oh, she's silent. Oh, your phone? Oh, yeah. I guess your phone is over there. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, my baby's home. Um, oh, Instagram Live. Yes. So I click in. I'm watching it. And something about watercolor and watching watercolor makes me think of the panhandle. Like, there's something about almost like the washed colors. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing vivid. You know, like, uh, whenever I lived out in North Carolina... There was like vivid colors, like vivid green, vivid brown, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, the blue was very contrasted with all of these different colors. Um, Mm -hmm. But in Amarillo, it just feels sometimes, and that might be because I live here all the time, but it's like kind of, especially since the drought recently, you know, it Mm -hmm. just feels like all the colors feel like a little washed out almost. Mm -hmm. And so seeing the watercolor like go on the page just made me think of Amarillo in this mm-hmm. area and so and I at the time I was trying to think of uh, like new cover art I wanted to do something mm-hmm. that maybe legitimize the podcast more like people yeah. like to see that you're you know doing something new and mm-hmm. doing something cool and trying to make it a cooler product overall right. or whatever so I was like damn that because I as you were doing it I went into your profile and I saw that you were doing some of these like time lapse. Mm-hmm. I was like, that'd be perfect for an intro for a YouTube video, you right. know, is doing that, uh, having you like do the the picture and everything. I was like, damn, that would be cool. Anyway, what got me down that rabbit hole? Washed out. Oh, so is what? So you were just doing watercolors then because mm-hmm. you were trying to show your friend. But why right. did you choose watercolor to do to try to represent the flatness? Like, um couple different reasons number one watercolor is really easy an easy medium in terms of like cleanup and mess and Mm. setup and so when you're doing a live and and like in real time it's a little easier if something goes wrong or um, in terms of how much stuff you need setting out it's just easier Mm. to deal with Um, but it is kind of like you you get those colors you can get those right colors that you need and the textures that Mm. I want but it's kind of ironic that it's water because that's almost the one thing we don't have Ooh, here a lot of times yeah that um, is so ironic. i i did i should have mentioned that earlier i did find that interesting to do the the flatlands in watercolor because oh, like the contrast because like really it's just like 
dirt and wind here. Mm-hmm. There's no water. Mm. Um, but at the same time, watercolor does give that effect. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, once it dries, I guess it's because it leaves behind that, like, there once was water here. And oh. now, now we have this really dry texture. And that's kind of what watercolor leaves behind. But sometimes looks a little watery when it's dry. Ooh. I don't know. And also just the experience also of watching watercolor uh-huh. is interesting. I know people like to watch the colors bleed and move. It's almost like a like a relaxing, therapeutic thing for people to watch. Because it to me, so it almost seems like, I guess there's a style of artist maybe that would be frustrated by some of the limitations mm-hmm. of watercolor because you can't do it exactly how you want right. to do it. And like some of it is like be, because of the water the effect is this mm-hmm. and sometimes you can't control that effect like perfectly right. you know or something and so. if you mess up it's done like watercolor once it's there it's there mm. you don't really have a lot of options when you mess up with it so when i do like india ink or watercolor with my students i always tell them like be careful it's as unforgiving as the old testament yeah like, <laughs> it will it doesn't go backwards and so um i think Watercolor, too, is really fun in terms of, like, it's going to do whatever it wants, but you can learn how to control it somewhat. Mm. And so there is kind of an interesting uh, middle ground in there where you have a little bit of control, but also you don't know what it's going to turn into because it's going to do what it wants. Yeah. It depends on, like, how the paper is going to bow up and how gravity is going to pull it. And mm. it sometimes, like, the the type of watercolor you're working with is going to bleed and blend differently. And so it's all an experiment. Mm. Like it's to me, I always, I guess I like things that I'm never going to figure out fully. And it's, I'm never going to be a true expert. I don't feel like I'm ever going to be an expert at anything. And I like that. Um, and watercolor is definitely one of those things. I can control it enough to kind of do what I want, but it's still going to do a little bit of its own thing. And I like that. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I was like picturing the basketball player that they always talk about just shooting free throw after free throw Mm -hmm. or shooting, you know, shooting baskets for three, four, five hours. And it's like, dude, you make 95% of the shots. Like, uh, but there's still that nuance of, well, I'm not as good as I could be. I could be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I could be a little sharper. I could be. I could have this mm-hmm. little advantage, you know, so you just keep hammering mm-hmm. at it way more than anybody else hammers at it, you know. So it's actually you practice more than any – you by being good at it, you now practice more at it than anybody, mm-hmm. even if they're – especially if they're bad at it. It's yeah. just kind of weird. Like it's kind of a an interesting dichotomy. Like the better yeah. you are, the more you work at it. Yeah, I can see that. I mean even now it's – you know, with my students coming in the room, I'm I'm the most experienced, skilled artist in the room. And also, the thing that you're drawing today, I've already drawn three because I had three classes today. Mm. And I'm still loving it. I'm still getting better at it. And it's kind of a... I don't know. I really enjoy it. It's almost like, oh, this is kind of the dream job for me because I just get to practice what I like doing all day. Yeah. And my... my teaks or like my standards that I'm supposed to teach with art um, through the state of Texas are so ambiguous that I kind of get to do whatever I want and I can just say like this is how it fits into what I'm supposed to be doing yeah and so I feel like I almost like 
get away with murder every day. Like, y'all are paying me to do this? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, uh, I'm an adult? Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, like, this is how this works? That's, like, I just get to works. do this by myself? Okay, like this cool. thing that I love to do, I get to do it all day? Well, see, that's like, okay. the, that's like the perfect teacher is like, because that can be with anything, with math, mm-hmm. with history, with English, with science. Mm-hmm. You can continually, even though you're looking at the same thing, you're realizing new things mm-hmm. throughout yeah. the year. So you might even be teaching the same history but you're never teaching it the same way twice because right. you're continually advancing mm-hmm. and learning it deeper because that's what you love. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, it, it always it's always sad to me whenever some I'm like, hey, you know, why did you become a teacher or whatever? And they say, I needed a job, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to like, well, like, well, for instance, somebody who says, well, I love history. What else am I going to do with a history degree? I'm going to teach. Mm-hmm. But I love history. That's the reason I am now teaching history. You know, or yeah. I love art. That's the reason I'm now teaching art. I love right. English. Those are always the best teachers, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I would say I kind of started that way where it was like they offered me a job and I needed something, so I thought I would try it. Um, but if I didn't like it, I would have gotten out of it by now. Mm-hmm. And I truly do just enjoy teaching. And so sometimes I feel bad about that because my students will be like, what made you decide? My students will ask me, what made you decide to be a teacher? And it's like, uh, well, I actually never wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, so it's, you, it's kind of a hard question to navigate. And, you know, um, nobody wants to say that. It's like, hey, I'm good. I, I love art and I need a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, whenever people ask me like, oh, why did you become a fireman? And they're, they're ex- maybe expecting a lofty answer. Yeah, I like to help people. And yeah, but mm-hmm. when it really comes down to it, um, I'm kind of athletic and I needed a paycheck. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like one of those things like, uh, wh- what? Uh-huh. what? You know, you don't, you don't expect an engineer to be like, oh, I just love bridges. You know, <laughs> like I just love concrete. You know, mm-hmm. it's just my, you know, it's just like whenever you hear, oh, I became an engineer, it's like, oh, yeah, you gotta make mm-hmm. money you know like mm-hmm. you gotta use your talents to make your money and you there know? are days where i have to like sit back and assess like is this really what i need to be doing um and there's a lot of like almost moral pressure with being a teacher Ooh. because you know like they're so impressionable like my, my students will and almost have to believe everything i say because i'm the first person telling them things about art and so there's a lot of pressure with that, and so some days I do have to sit back and be like, okay, is this really where I need to be? Um, it's a lot of responsibility. Is this? Would I be better off doing something else? Would they be better off with someone else doing this job? And I, and I, you know, I do have to sit back and, and think about that in terms of if I'm not passionate about this, I need to let someone step in who is. And it always comes back to, yes, I am passionate about it, but I have mm. to check it. Yeah. I have to check myself every now and then. You got to remember. Um, especially when it's like right before spring break. It's oh. like, do, it, do I just, do I really hate everything right now? Or is it just that I need a break? <laughs> yeah. And normally it's like, you just need a break. It's fine. Yeah. You got, oh man. I, that's the thing is like, I, I understand you get summers off and you get like these chunks of vacation and stuff, but mm-hmm. you're still stuck with kids. Mm-hmm. for eight to five a uh, lot of the year for mm-hmm. weeks on end the and same little shitheads over and over it's like and if i'm like <sighs> needing a break and i'm tired it's like well 
I've got over a hundred students I'm going to see today who probably feel the same way yes, and exactly. cannot control that feeling oh, that they have their impulse control. Yeah. And yeah, like I, I had a student the other day who said like, Ms. Bush, like I really don't, I really don't feel good today and I don't feel like doing this. And I'm like, I don't care because you have no idea how much I don't want to be doing <laughs> some of the things I'm doing today. So get over it. I'm asking you to draw. Yeah. <laughs> and then like drawing. Draw, yeah. Yeah. So um, Yeah, there there are days where I have to be like, okay, am I just like tired and cranky? Because I mean, ultimately like teaching really is hard. Like dealing with kids is like can be very, very taxing. Oh, quick um, shout out to um my buddy started a podcast uh-huh. that honors teachers. Oh damn, I'm not gonna be able to remember what the name Teachers are rock stars. Okay. So anybody in this area, if you're a teacher and you, or if you have a teacher that's special and you want to like give them a give them a, a thumbs up, a thumbs up, you know, like they take like recommendations and okay. people you can like you can like nominate a teacher and stuff and they cool. feature them. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's that's really cool. Being a teacher is a crazy hard, difficult job, mm-hmm. and because this is the thing, <clears throat> and I realize this because I work in a oftentimes. Uh, separate culture than like mm-hmm. you know like uh fire station and firemen and you're kind of almost separated for the majority of the time that you're mm-hmm. working um so it like kind of creates this like like almost like a subculture you know mm-hmm. but i get to say what i think <laughs> most of the time you know yeah like if somebody is making me mad i get to say what why or if you know or if i have a thought i get to, but whenever you're around kids you can't necessarily tell people how you feel and how you think you almost have to put more of a i don't character almost sounds like disingenuous but it's like you have to be teacher you know you have to be uh, a certain uh, archetype there you have to fill a role you know and that's exhausting in itself yeah and then on top of that you're having to deal with all these kids some of whom you really like, but let's be honest. All these assholes that are adults, they were kids one time and they were coming through a classroom, you know? I was one of them. Like, that's one of the hard things. It's like, there's a lot of times I spent getting sent out in the hall, getting sent to the principal's office, right. like having talks to where the teacher, and God bless their heart, like thinking back on it, I remember having them in tears and they're in the, they're in the hall. Why are you such a shithead? Yeah. Why? But they can't say that. Yeah, they say it, just not that explicitly. Why aren't you, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm not going to Compliant? Like, Why aren't you compliant? Why aren't you, dang it, what's the word? I'm trying to get it. It's probably something I say, why aren't you applying yourself? Oh, yes. When really what you want to say is like, can you not just effing do what I want <laughs> yeah. you to do? Yeah. But really, you're just like, I really think that you could do better. I really think that you could apply yourself more. Mm-hmm. I really think that... And really, I just want to be like, how come you get to cuss in school and I don't? <laughs> right. It is... It so, is. Well, they don't get to cuss, but yeah, I, yeah. I oftentimes want to tell them like, you know what? If you don't get to cuss in school... Or if I don't get to cuss in school, yeah, you, don't. you don't get to cuss yeah. in school because you have no idea the things I want to say to yeah. you. Um, but really, like, you just have to be so polite. And you really, teaching is 
a lot like parent parenting. You have to be the bigger person. Yeah, calculated. Um, and it's so hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. It really is hard. But then um, you also have to remember, like, there's always reasons why a kid is acting the way that oh, they yeah, are. Oh, yeah, that's the that's probably one of the hardest things is, like, sometimes you're dealing with these kids. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know it's, it's almost, uh, it's definitely like a, like a trope in, in movies and stuff of the kid who has a shitty home life. So they're acting out in public mm-hmm. and, and most people just don't care, you know, mm-hmm. like, re- like genuinely. And that's the reason that the kid's acting out. Cause he's like, please just somebody care. Somebody care right. about me. If I have to act bad, care about that, okay? Mm-hmm. At least I'm getting attention or at least I'm yeah, getting ca- exactly. somebody's paying attention to me, you know? And so it's – I feel like that would be one of the most difficult things as a teacher is like when you see probably a large amount of kids who need a lot of attention and need a lot of help and mm-hmm. you can't you can't provide that for them. Like it's almost like, you know, earlier when you were saying that you had an advantage or what were you saying? Privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Find there's there's all levels of privilege and uh, uh, typically whenever we say privilege we're talking about socioeconomic status but there's a whole other level of privilege of love and community and sane human beings like raising Mm -hmm. you and like there's all these things you you know sanity is taken for granted a lot more than it should be (laughs) you know people assume that other people are sane when in reality it would be more realistic to assume that they're insane because everybody like i know so many people that like i've been drinking a cup of coffee and talking to them and they look like they're about to snap they look like they're barely holding on you know like and you can tell they're like you know it's like the the stereotypical like college student that has like three pages due or three Uh papers due and they've got all this work and they can't learn it all and they're cramming it all in and they're just like i'm barely hanging on maybe the first year teacher you know it's like that was me yesterday i'm barely hanging on yesterday i snapped at another teacher and i like i need to text her and apologize because (laughs) it was like my it was it was the end of the day i had had like we ordered some t-shirts for a fundraiser everyone kept knocking on my door they were interrupting my class my class needs to get stuff done um, it's seventh period. We have eight periods in a day. So it's the end of the day. They're tired. It's cloudy weather. They're acting crazy. They were helpless. They couldn't do anything on their own. I'm trying to do all this other stuff. And a teacher opens my door and she's like, hey, have you done that? And I just went, no, I have not done it. And she was like, I'm so sorry. And I said, it's not your fault. And she just and she just looked at me and she goes, is it freshmen? And I currently have a class of freshmen. And I just look at all of them. And I look at all of them, and they're all looking at me, and I look back at her, and I go, yes. Yes, it is freshman. <laughs> and I just looked at them, and I went, it's you. <laughs> and it was like, okay, I just went insane. I just, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Call a priest. Like, oh, I've just hilarious. been overtaken by a demon. <laughs> um, and that happens all the time. And so yeah. it's just, it, yeah, sanity and insanity. Very fine line. And... But we were talking about something completely different. So. You know, now that I'm an adult, there's this one particular teacher. It was her first year teaching. She had us in seventh grade. Seventh grade boys that were very comfortable with each other. We were friends, you know, hung out. I mean, uh-huh. we were pretty tight and we were all shitheads. We were <laughs> terrible. I mean, like, like to the point where even as you're doing it to the teacher, even as you're being a douche, you know you're being a douche. 
but it's your turn. You know? <laughs> so I was like, all right. You know, I've set out for two weeks. I've been a good kid for two weeks. It's yeah. my time to step up and really make sure this lady's crying up by the end of the day. You know? And it was like, so there was this one circumstance, and I feel terrible. I, I probably, I might try to after this, I might try to look her up on Facebook and see if I can apologize. But <laughs> she... I, and I was, like I said, I wasn't a terrible kid, but I was very obnoxious, as I am today. Like, I'm just more like a functional obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I was always having to stay after school and, you know, like make up work in people's classes. So it was one of these typical days where I'm having to stay there till 4.30 or whatever. And, and I remember walking past her room and she's bawling. Oh. And she's got her, she's like sitting with her, with her face in her hands and and she's just crying. <laughs> and now and, laughing. And, well, and I'm like looking through the door. I mean, I've got this image in my head. I remember this woman uh-huh. like leaned over crying. And I walked in and I was like, hey, Miss Steely, doing all right? And she was just like, it's just terrible. You know, this is just, it's just terrible. You know, like almost like um, in uh, Apocalypse Now, like the horror. <laughs> the horror. You know, you're realizing that there is no hope in life. Mm-hmm. That this is what life is, is, is brutality, you know? And so she's just, you know, and so I walk up to her and I was like, you know, Mrs. Steele, I think that was what her name was, I'm pretty sure. And I said, um, feel, you should feel pretty good because we're ruthless. Like we've never laid into a teacher this hard. And I mean, this is like the same group that I was in sixth grade with. Mm-hmm. And we laid into some teachers. They were more seasoned. They were smarter. Mm-hmm. Like psychologically, they had they had the front end on us, you mm-hmm. know. And I was like, and she didn't have it. She didn't have that teacher face yet. And we took advantage of it. And mm-hmm. I was telling her, I was like, I've never seen it this bad. So take that home. <laughs> <laughs> if you can make it through this, you can make it through it anything. Like, it was like... You, this is as bad as it gets. Like this is. I like really- that. I like that. That was your encouragement. Yeah. It's like, hey, we're really, really terrible. Uh, I hope that makes you feel better. Yeah. It's like it's not. But, it won't be worse ever. I, you know. But I can look back on my first year of teaching, and I could like I still know their names. I can see their faces burned <laughs> into my memory, and it's like they can smell it. They smell that oh, you're a yeah. new teacher. But since then, it's like I've had that those exam the. the those exact same three students every single year not literally but like mm-hmm. i look at i'm like oh yeah you're you mm. have the same agenda as that one kid and the more i've taught like now i have those same kids and it's just like you just laugh you just shrug and you laugh and you're like okay but you do know i'm in charge of your grade and whether or not you get to take this class again right get to work it's like there's no <laughs> you do not have power over me yeah, like as but, soon as as soon as you say that as soon as you know that Mm-hmm. You don't have power over me. Yeah. Like almost liberate you, but it's it's like at the at the end of the day, I just hope you know I will win. You may win the battle, young man, but do you think I will win the do war? Do you think uh that cynicism about life, like my wife refers to it as my bitterness, mm-hmm. you know? Like but it's like part of playing the game, you learn mm-hmm. that the that there is a game and that you oh, can yeah. play it and that you can win it. That yeah. you know, you kind of realize this. But, but you like have fun with it. Yeah, you have fun with the cynicism. Yeah, you have fun with the cynicism, but you're still cynic. Like you you know, you it's like it's like uh, there's sometimes whenever I like can acknowledge like, Wow, I'm an asshole. Like mm-hmm. almost in a proud way. Like I 
I'm like cold hearted and uh-huh. you know, like, but then you kind of think about it and you're like, oh man, I used to be such a nice person. Yeah, you know, I used like, to have so much hope and so many dreams. <laughs> yeah. And now it's, you know, but, but at the same time, I mean, there, there's, uh, always like these little pops of, of hope and beauty and, and that's what mm-hmm. keeps everybody like, yeah. and that's one of the cool things about kids. I feel like is really when you just let kids, like, I think you probably see it far more than I do, but. It was one of the questions that I had uh, right written down. Let's see if I'm going to be able to. It's like, um, damn, I'm going to forget where I'm going, but I'll read this question. Uh, it is interesting that there is a box to step out of, you know? So, like, whenever you have a kid, a 16-year-old kid, and you expose the bo- their box to them, you know, and then they can take that next step out of that box, you know? Like almost like freeing them, you know, Mm -hmm. like everybody has the potential to be free, but they have to have the opportunity to like be free. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we rely as a culture, as a country on teachers. Mm -hmm. We don't pay them very much. (laughs) And then we rely on them completely, you know, to, to like inspire it. And, but once you work with kids and you're around them, I remember where I was going with that now, when you're around them, you realize, oh man, we just got to. We just got to help these kids become who they naturally are. It's not, you don't have to create something that doesn't already exist. You have to free them to be what they are. Mm -hmm. Let them already exist as they are. And then once you, if you can tap into that as a teacher, it's almost like there's so much potential, Mm -hmm. probably in every kid in their own way. They just have to be like a mind, you know, like Mm -hmm. tapped into and stuff. So as a teacher, that's probably pretty exhilarating because you, you start seeing these but it's probably also discouraging at the same time. Yeah, because you don't really have any control of how they receive it. Um, but I, I do, I have one teacher friend, she teaches, um, I have more than one, but one specifically that teaches algebra. She'll say, and her, I mean, she has a little bit more of a standard that she has to reach, like concrete, than I do. And so I have a lot more freedom in this. But even she will say, you know, they may not learn algebra. But if they can leave my classroom and know that, like, I as a person care about them, mm. sometimes that's really, like, the best I can do. Like, they're, they're not going to learn it or they don't have the ability or the resource and I can't reach them. But I can let them feel like they're cared about. Mm-hmm. And really, that's the ultimate goal. And thinking about that like lately i've i say lately i've always kind of been obsessed with like mr rogers oh yeah and now there's like this revamping of everyone's kind of crazy about him so i'm i've been reading more stuff on him and really that whole idea that he has about like like that song that he has where it's it's you i like it's it's Mm. not the way that you dress and it's not the way that you look it's just you um i mean ultimately like as a teacher that should be it's that's all that idea is almost like the gospel like you can't get past it you can learn it every day and you'll keep learning new things mm. about it and keep understanding it differently and it's like yeah if i can like show kids that like i don't care if you can draw well and i don't care if you like anything that you do there it doesn't matter really if i can just learn how to appreciate and care about kids just because they're there like that's that's the most powerful thing I can do as a teacher and I think a lot of times teachers and the community see our job as you know like well I need to teach them how to draw and this teacher needs to teach them you know about biology and this teacher over here needs to teach them how to change the oil and that's their job when really it's 
that's part of my day. Most of my day is actually like stopping kids and being like, hey, you just dropped that on the floor. You should pick that up and throw it away because it's not everyone else's job to clean up after you. Mm. Hey, you should, um, when you see someone carrying lots of boxes like you saw just now and they struggle to open the door, you should help them. You should open the door for them. And they're like, oh. You're providing the <laughs> like moral that's, compass. Yeah. That's what I'm teaching them all day long. Like, I had a student yesterday who said, hey, I wasn't listening to you earlier when you said this. Can you tell me again? And instead of telling him again, I said, so what you're telling me is that what I was saying was not important at the time. So you're going to have me take more time to repeat the thing that I said already for everyone just for you. You consciously decided to waste my time. And he was like, Ooh. I guess so. Yep, that's and I right. said, well, you know what? I'm not saying it again. Yeah. You can ask someone else or Google it or, or figure go- it out. Yes. Get- and and it's like, those are the lessons I have to teach all day where I could have stopped and said, okay, well, what I'm teaching you right now is shading and highlighting. Da, 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 da. I'm like, no, let's teach you a deeper lesson right now, which is think about someone other than your freaking self. Yeah. Pay attention, <laughs> dude. Pay attention. It's one time. Because this in here, right here, I'll say like this is the Mrs. or this is the Miss B show. They call me Miss B. This is the Miss B show. It's about me primarily. Do what I say. Yeah. I'm I'm in charge. I'm in control. And if you inconvenience me, it's bad for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I think that's and it sounds like I'm being cynical and it sounds like I'm being mean and I kind of hate it sometimes. But it's also like. We were talking about that earlier, like giving them the hard truth and giving them real criticism is what really calls them out on the carpet, shines light on what they need to fix so that they can move on. It's like curating an environment. Yeah. You're wanting to curate a space to where everybody has the opportunity. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't want to perpetuate this cycle of selflessness where like, have teachers done this for you your entire life? Well, I'm not going to. Welcome to art one, which is called problem solving. And Mm. I told them that too. I said, this class isn't necessarily about being good or bad at art. It's about, do you, do you solve problems? Do you take risks? Do you try? Do you ever take leaps of faith? Even if it doesn't work out, I don't care. I want to see that you tried. Right. Rather than just staying in this really safe spot and accepting like whatever grade. It's like, I mean, you could like go beyond that if you really want to and it's like a gate a grade should be trivial to oh yeah you know like uh even like my wife when she's writing a college paper she's doing something she's not thinking about the grade she's saying i want the professor to read this and say wow this girl is intelligent Mm -hmm. right so she's not writing for the grade she's writing for the uh i don't know i guess maybe the uh She's like uh, honoring the like intellect. Like she's yeah. she's paying she's she's playing the game. You know she's pushing herself, <laughs> right? Which is good for the system. I have we had a she's still there. My favorite high school teacher was my English teacher, and she's still there. And now oh, she's my now shout she's out my, shout out. Oh, shout out for the the podcast or just in general no just shout out to the teacher oh shout out to best english teacher lenora barnes lenora she was my favorite teacher in high school and now she's my colleague which is crazy that is crazy like now we're we're like friends we can hang out Mm. um but i remember in high school it when you got an essay back 
when she graded it, you did not care about the grade. She would highlight in yellow highlighter uh. things that she liked. And that that's what we, we would compare our papers. Like she highlighted three things. Whereas mm. someone was like, oh, she only highlighted one thing on mine. And it like didn't, the, the grade was like, who cares? And I had a student come in a couple years ago who was in AP English. And she, she was like, uh, so Miss Barnes highlighted this on my page. And I was like, oh my gosh, don't you love that? And she still does it. And it's, mm, damn, it's that the is best thing ever. Because when you cool. think about, like grades are strange to me. Because like failing is anything under 70%. But when you think of it, 70% of something is a lot of percent mm -hmm. of something, mm -hmm. you know? Like when I tell my students, you know, I, I give them a grade every week on quote unquote participation because we have to give them so many grades, which, you know, for some of them, that is a good, like, it keeps them focused and keeps mm -hmm. them on, on task because I say, if you don't do anything this week, you get a bad grade. But it's kind of crazy to think that like a student who gets a 70% participation that would be bad. But if you think about it, like giving me 70% of your time in here, like your focused attention and energy where you're not talking to someone about something that's not art related, 70% is a lot. Yeah, it's like, what are you measuring? I don't know that I could get 70% in my class that mm -hmm. I'm like on task and on topic. Mm. Where it's like, so grades are really weird. And you know, one of the crazy things is like art sometimes, like to me, I think back on Mr. Hurst and... Uh, Mr. Damn, I forgot his name now. I thought of it earlier because I was trying to think of it to remember it for this conversation. Mr. Fundike, I think is what his name was. They were my, my high school art teachers. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I always remember like the art class, He, they were one of the few classes where they said, sit with your friends. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Sit with your friends. I don't care. Um, so we would, he would give us the assignment. Don't talk while I'm talking, but then while you're working, you can talk, mm -hmm. you can, you can work through stuff with each other. Hey, if you're talking about Batman that you saw the other night and it was cool, dude, are you drawing while you're doing that? Because if mm -hmm. you are, if you're creating, if you're staying on task, I don't mm -hmm. care what you're talking about. You can talk about whatever you can throw your right. headphones in, you can do whatever, you know, it's almost mm -hmm. like that was the only class where you were really freed to express yourself, right. you know? And even during the class, you got to express yourself. You got to mm -hmm. talk with your friends, you know? And navigating that is really hard for some students because, well, and I'm, I'm having to monitor what they're talking about mm -hmm. um, because sometimes, like, that freedom is too much. Oh, damn. It's way too much. And I always tell them the first day of class, um, be careful what you're talking about because you may not know it, but I have two functioning ears and I hear what you're talking about and I eavesdrop all the time because I'm really nosy. This is my room. Yeah. I and, get to hear everything. And <laughs> there will be times where I like, I walk over to a, a table and I'm like, hey, the thing you've been talking about the last 10 minutes, I've heard every word. And I see them die a little bit Ooh, inside really? because it was like personal, nasty stuff that they shouldn't have been talking about. You know, and I, and I always like, and I say it's 10 minutes, probably too long for them to talk about something like that. But I always like, I give them like a little grace period. Like maybe if I like, you can bring it back. Come maybe on, they'll, bring if they it back. see me making eye contact, <laughs> they'll quit, but then they don't. So I have to go over and like, uh, attention everyone. 
you have to quit talking about everyone you hook up with because it makes me uncomfortable to listen to. Isn't that so funny? Like at the time, whenever you're like 13 or 14, you're like, oh man, you know, I'm old enough to be hooking up with somebody or whatever. You think you're so cool and you think you even understand what's going on. And then like now that I'm a 30 year old, I think of that and I'm thinking like, it seems so silly. Well, and I'm you almost know, 30, and then when so I overhear silly. like children speaking about it, oh. I, I feel like, could I go to jail for listening to this? <laughs> oh, like, yeah, I don't damn. feel, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And, and so they're, then gross, I'm like, they're gross little people, man. Like, oh, just man. little, like, young people are gross. All of them. <laughs> you know, there's not a single one of them, no matter the front that they put on. And the, and the reason we know that is because we were once gross yes, little people. I was so a gross I'm, person. Everybody's a gross person. Yeah. You know, at some point in time in your life, it's just kind of like, it's almost gross. inevitable. Yeah. And probably I'll look back on this and be like, I was gross. Yes. At this age. We're <laughs> just always gross. We're always gross. I mean, human beings, like just biology is, <laughs> is a very gross process, you know, like, it, and that's what's interesting is that beauty exists mm-hmm. even though everything is gross, you know, like that's not like what we notice as humans. Like mm-hmm. we have to invent science to notice how gross stuff is. You know, if you don't have science, you're just like, oh, yeah, this isn't gross. Let's just run our shit Mm -hmm. down the middle of the road. Like, it's (laughs) functional, right? We don't have science to know how gross that is. Even though their noses were probably Uh, telling us pretty gross, you know. And, like, the plague was like, hey, maybe we should do things differently. Dude, bats, maybe. Maybe Maybe. cut down the fleas, you know. Like, (laughs) think about that. How many people had fleas back then? It's like. Damn, that I'm glad we've really uh, come a long way. We see we've advanced in some ways, and we've re, like we've come backwards in some way. I mean, oh, same yeah. same time that they had fleas, they had the Sistine Chapel. Yeah, they had fleas. He was probably scratching fleas <laughs> as he was painting the Sistine Chapel. You know, you don't have a picture of the gross ass man. You know that was painting that. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was probably a, we like like to like romanticize it like oh he was probably a beautiful person who smelled like roses mm-hmm. no he was probably a little overweight because he was rich <laughs> he was probably an asshole because he was an artist probably most artists are assholes especially if they're really good mm-hmm. i feel like especially when they're working are we talking about michelangelo still yeah was he yeah. an asshole yeah yeah he big time he didn't like people at all no like recluse huh uh-huh so when he, i i what i've read is when he was paying the sistine chapel if people came in to watch him, it was like he would just stop and look at them until they left. And then, even if it was like the freaking Pope, like they Pope. come in and he'd be like, "Go away." Go away. And then he he just didn't want to be around people. Oh, what a badass. And then uh, and people and I think it was Michelangelo never got married, and so people would say like, "No, you need to get married because you need to have children and pass on your gift." Like how selfish of you to not like spawn and and pass on your gift and he said um his his artwork is his children Mm. and the process itself is his nagging wife oh (laughs) shit that's beautiful (laughs) so he like never got married he's like no it's enough here have my children and then he left us plenty oh yeah which is wild it's kind of funny that a guy who hated humanity so much painted a picture of showing God's separation from humanity. Oh, yeah. You know? It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Artists are very contradictory things. Mm. Yep. Dang, sure. I, do you remember what we what we were talking about? We were there? talking about uh, bad hygiene. Oh, yeah. Kids talking dang. about what they shouldn't talk yes, about. Yes. Them and nasty little biological. And little... our moral compass as a 
teacher and Dude, a, teaching them about life. That's what we were talking uh, about. We yeah. teachers have to teach yes. like, life skills. Way more than just way more than just uh, showing up. It's like you got to bathe. Yeah. Dude. Yep. You got to teach them everything. Children like uh, like. Adolescents are almost like chemistry kits that have like hit the ground. You know, they're mixing the way that they shouldn't mix. You know, stuff's supposed to be yeah. together. It's all part of the kit, but everything's going wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just like I feel like that was me until probably 25. 25, I feel like my brain started maybe balancing out a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it started kind of like, oh, okay, I am an idiot. You know, you start like mm-hmm. realizing these things about the world. It's almost like. Like if you didn't have smell and then you got smell, like mm-hmm. that analogy earlier. Like that's almost what, like 25, mm-hmm. I feel like a new sense like kicked on and it was adulthood. Yeah. It was like, oh damn, I have been a crazy adolescent up until now. Or it's you like know? you get to a point and then there's, you know, enough distance between you and the beginning of whatever season that was and you see other people in that season Ooh. and you're watching it behind a glass and you're like, okay, I get it. Yep. That's what everyone was trying to tell me. And it's like almost like the observance of it is part of the assimilating process. Like sometimes it's hard to realize how stupid you are until you see somebody that's being oh, as yeah. stupid as you like, were. Like back to the trying to be cool and then yeah. you see someone trying to be uh-huh. cool and you're like, that's why you shouldn't try to be cool. Exactly. It's Noted. always going to back. Got it's it. always going to backfire on you. Mm-hmm. It's always backfired on me. It'll always backfire on them. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Kanye West. Because he seems like he kind of tries to be cool. Uh-huh. And I think it comes off right for him. I think he's pretty cool. Uh, I would disagree. Kanye throws off like murdery vibes to me. Murdery? Like oh, like I he think... actually kills people, you think? Oh, it, or he would. Oh, yeah. If he, he definitely, wanted to. He definitely would. Oh, yeah. Oh. Anybody that's that psychotic, like it's a sociopathic thing to want to be famous. Mm-hmm. You know? Like... There's nothing more... I mean, I want to have this podcast, and I hope this podcast is popular, but there's nothing more terrifying than people paying more attention to me than uh, an hour and a half conversation once a week. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be famous. And then you got a guy like Kanye who's just like, hey, I'm going to be famous for... I'll be relevant until I'm dead. Yeah. And it's just scary. That's I, terrifying. I keep thinking back to his... You know, he just had that chit chat with the president yeah and it's like he's he's almost like a he's trying to bring two groups of people together Uh um, by like making these worlds collide um but i to me like the way i feel about it is like i feel like liberals would hate that and then conservatives would like hate that situation too you know like i think about people who are super conservative i don't think they have anything to like about Kanye West. Okay, here's an interesting thing. We'll talk about this real briefly, but I want to process this through real quick. So, do you see The Dark Knight? The Batman? The Dark Knight? Like the the one from... The one with the Joker in it? With Heath Ledger. Yeah, did you watch that? Yes. Did you like it? Yes. So one of the things that was interesting about that is it's not the hero that gets people to do things. It's the villain. And... So Batman, they would never unite behind Batman, but they'll unite against the Joker. So okay. both of them are sociopathic characters. <laughs> They're both antisocial. They both dress up to interact with the world, right? So mm-hmm. they're putting on masks in order to interact with the world. But one of them 
interacts in the world by manipulating people and getting masses to do things, right? Like mm-hmm. the Joker's getting these huge amounts of money and he's he's manipulating all these different groups. He's playing the cops, playing the public, playing the criminals, playing even the guys in his own gang. He's like exploiting mental illness and I mean he's but he's getting things done. He's really moving, right? And so mm-hmm. you have to have this super force of Batman who doesn't get anybody to do anything, but he does it all himself to, like, contradict it and to crash into it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, so that's one of the things I've always thought about, like, with Trump is it's interesting to me because people think people mean what they say. Like, they assume that that Trump couldn't play a conservative character as well as he could play a liberal character. I think what would be... Like crazy as if like Hillary Clinton came out and next year she ran as a Republican and she like completely switched. And so she played she played the part. Like if you just told her, like she knows exactly how to play that part. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's a good politician. Yeah. So you're like, hey, just play this different role mm-hmm. and play it perfectly, right? She would be a force to be reckoned with, you know? Mm-hmm. Like uh, so it, it's just always interesting. Then you like bring a character like Kanye West in or even Trump, you know? Like I wonder if if he thinks that way, like part of the way, like voters, like voter participation and people saying you need to vote, like think about when MTV ran that vote, like campaign mm-hmm. in the 90s and then didn't get shit, rock the vote. Right. Right. But then you put a Donald Trump in office and everybody's like, we got to fucking vote, dude. Yeah. We got to start paying attention. Like, you know, Hayden Pettigo's running for yeah. uh, city council. Uh-huh. You know, it's like stuff like that. He like he is going to get more people to vote in Amarillo than any other person that's ever run for city council. Even if he doesn't win, more people are going to vote. Mm-hmm. Right. So who is more beneficial for the system? A Hayden Pettigo who doesn't get elected, even though he probably should get elected, you know? But, shout out. Yeah, shout out. But he, <laughs> he's drawing a crowd, right? And then once you get the crowd together, you get progress to happen. So like yeah. Kanye West, he's basically saying, you know what? How, what if I can get the entire country to unite in hating me? Right. It's almost like the like almost like the Christ figure, you know, like I'm going to take all of all of the hatred of this area. You focus it on me and that will unite you. Mm -hmm. So now you have a liberal who's saying Kanye West is an idiot and you have a conservative that's saying Kanye West is an idiot. And so now they both say, you think he's an idiot too? It's like common (laughs) ground, you know? He provided common ground by being the Joker, you know, or something like that. I, I don't know. I was just like flushing that idea out because that's always bothered me about the, the Dark Knight. I've never fully – because I love the Joker. Mm-hmm. And I actually think the Joker is more of a hero in that in that than, mm-hmm. than Batman. I've, I think I've kind of come across maybe some blogs or something talking about how like the Joker is the real hero, you know, mm-hmm. because he he's almost so extreme that he forces people to the side of mm-hmm. sanity – like he's so insane that people are like, better step back a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, we got the Joker now. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you got you got Donald. Trump, which actually, now that I think about it, I think one of your Instagram posts had Donald Trump painted as a clown, <laughs> yeah. and Hillary Clinton. Now I wasn't exactly sure what Hillary Clinton was because she. I think would, I was so, trying to make her look like a witch. Yeah, that's what I, I. That's what I originally thought was like Wicked Witch of the West, mm-hmm. which she is. You know. <laughs> And then you have Donald Trump, which he's a clown. And that's the yeah. thing that's so funny to me about I got all these and it's concerns. It's like that's the stereotype that people had put. Like, she's a bitch. 
he's an idiot. Right. Well, and see, and even before, and I don't think he's an idiot, but he's definitely a clown, dude. It's like all my conservative friends have like flip-flopped on Donald Trump and now, and they're like, oh, it's like, dude, this is the guy that was on The Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Like this is not to say not to talk shit on The Apprentice because a lot of people really like that show, mm-hmm. but it's like he is an entertainer, like he mm-hmm. is a performer, like he is a clown. Not and I love clowns. I mean, per, mm-hmm. like the Joker was a great clown, you know. Like the jester, the opposition, the humor, you know. You have to have that in a society, or like in the court, you know. You have to have a jester. Yeah, there has to be somebody that is free and clear to make fun of the king. Can talk shit on the king. Somebody yeah. has to be allowed in that position yeah. and not killed if they talk shit on the king. Yeah, you know, absolutely. the comedians and stuff. So yeah. you almost need like a you almost need a polarizing figure mm-hmm. to unite everybody in mediocrity, maybe in like mm-hmm. normalcy and like decency. Because for as you know, if people argue, hey, Donald Trump was so indecent to women, right. it's like, bitch. Bill Clinton, like, <laughs> yeah. like he was impeached for yeah. taking advantage of a young aide, like a yeah. young girl, and he, and he, and then Hillary Clinton comes out and she's against Monica Lewinsky. She's talking shit on Monica Lewinsky, who is, in a lot of ways, a sex like she was taken advantage of in a sexual way by mm-hmm. Bill Clinton, and then all the women want to say, "Oh, I'm a woman, and so I'm for Hillary Clinton." She's like, mm-hmm. bitch, she's not for she's not for girls, you know? Like yeah. she's not for girls. She she mur- like she talked so bad about Monica Lewinsky, you know, when all that stuff was happening and like took sides with Bill, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, dude, Donald Trump's probably a creep. He's got a lot of money. He probably does some like, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. But Bill Clinton's definitely a creep too, you know? Like they're they're probably both on the same like politician level of like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we're we're freaks, you know? Like mm-hmm. so I mean, I politics are they're affecting politics affect like the realest of the real things. They mm-hmm. affect our daily life. And it's so bizarre that like the figures that represent our political system are not real. In not, any way, yeah. they are not real, and yeah, like I'm, I I always struggle for what I what I want to say about Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump because it's like I I don't know I kind of feel like I just need to sit back and watch because I have no idea I have I have no idea about who they are. Obviously, they're Donald Trump is an extremely intelligent man, and so either he says, and so is Hillary Clinton. Yeah, either she's he's saying exactly what he wants and exactly what he Calculated, means. Calculated, maybe. What he means. He's saying exactly what he means. Or maybe he's not, and he's just saying what he knows he's supposed to. I don't know. I don't know. Politicians aren't real. Yeah, they're not real. <laughs> I've never seen Donald Trump in real life, so I don't know that he's real. I know. Isn't so, that the craziest thing? Like, he what might if everybody, be a hologram. What if they're telling everybody, like, that... That these people, which that's the thing, that's what's so crazy is it's like, I don't know, I don't know why, to me, if it's, which it is an act, guaranteed, why do you act so terrible? Like, why are you so dumb? Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand why the Democrats didn't pick a 38-year-old badass lawyer, because you know that female, black, Democratic, badass lawyer, because you know she exists, who is smart intelligent can uh like murder somebody in a debate Mm -hmm. you know you know they're there you know they exist 
So why do you pick an old white lady that nobody likes? Pick the young, attractive black woman who is crazy intelligent and knows how, like, you know, that's the thing about a beautiful woman is they know how to manipulate men. That's the thing about any woman is she knows how to manipulate a man because we're not, you know, men are not complicated creatures. Women are a little bit more complicated creatures, I feel like. So it's like, you know that that girl, you know that woman is there. So why do they insist on Hillary Clinton whenever you know that the the woman, the real woman that will advance um, woman nation or womanhood, she exists. Mm-hmm. Why is she not on the front board, you know? Why is she not the one you're putting on the stage? The one who truly empowers women. The one that says, I've had three kids. I have a, you know, I'm accomplished in my field. I'm intelligent. I, you know, all these things. They have all these boxes checked, you know? Mm-hmm. I just don't understand. I just don't understand why you wouldn't, that would, that would murder at the, you know, at the polls, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and give, give women an actual woman to be proud of. Not to say anything terrible about Hillary Clinton, not that, you know, she should be whatever or disrespected or anything. I'm not meaning that. I sometimes like sometimes I talk like that because I'm just <laughs> an obnoxious person. But it's like give the people you know that woman is there because they were our teachers. You know? They mm-hmm. they are our nurses. They are our mothers. They mm-hmm. are the women in the church and Uh, the women that are walking past you in the street, you know, I know that they're there. Why are they not the ones being put in front of us? Mm -hmm. You know, it's always these despicable people. I don't, I don't get it necessarily, you know, maybe that sells, maybe despicable sells over like, you know, practical, I don't know, real. I got one more question. Oh, go go ahead. I guess I would say despicable people normally are seen as strong and people who are kind and people who are honest it almost is seen as a weakness sometimes. Yeah. I mean, even even as a teacher and being in a school district, there are politics that play into that. And so I guess I see a little bit of that where it's like, you know, sometimes it's the, the sneaky people who get the things that they want. And it's the honest and hardworking people who, you know, kind of shrink back. Mm. So I don't know. I'm, there's a, I'm sure there's so much and there's a lot to it. And, you know, it's politics. <sighs> That's why, that's why the saying is it's politics. Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, there's <laughs> forces at work beyond what we as citizens are actually in control of. Do you, so. do you listen to Theo Vaughn at all? Mm-mm. He talks about the dark arts, you know, like mm-hmm. the Harry Potter dark arts. The, oh, yeah. You know, like the, just the, dis, the nasty stuff of, of life that everybody deals with, you mm-hmm. know, but you, you got to decide if you're like a Voldemort. And you yeah. go over there, you're like a Dumbledore, and you know about it. You can probably do it if you wanted to, but you just choose not to do it, you know? Yeah. You're either, like, just powerful, like Dumbledore, and, like, you're just destined to be powerful, or you really want to be powerful, Ooh. and you have to take it at any extent. Wow. That's pretty interesting. I never really Wait. made that connection with Voldemort and Dumbledore, Me either, you know? until just now. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Because that, that is his downfall, is he mm-hmm. wants more. And Dumbledore's up like he's like dude i'm the headmaster at hogwarts like this is my dream job mm-hmm. i don't want more power than this you yeah. know i just i like what i i like i'm just happy to be here yeah i'm just happy to be teaching man yeah. you know he's yeah got that phoenix it's like i feel like up all the time like dumbledore is like the banksy where it's like mm-hmm. anything he does is going to be right like he just you know like 
I know what I'm He can doing. shred his be... piece of art. Do you and see it, that? I wouldn't be surprised if Banksy is the one that bought that artwork. Oh. And knew that if he did that, it would triple in value. And he's like, yep, and oh. I own it. So, yeah. like, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and then, oh. like, Voldemort is like the, I would say Kanye West, but Kanye is actually, like, really successful. But at the same time, like, not quite hitting the mark that, like, Banksy is. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's quite as badass as Banksy. Mm, no. Like, Banksy is just... Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, wow. It's like, it's almost more than a man. Like, oh, it's definitely man. more than a man, you know? Just, and I don't know how long ago he made that. And all of that could be a hoax. I mean, have you seen Exit Through the Gift Shop? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's... there's Beautiful. Uh, that Shout out to that documentary. If mm-hmm. people haven't seen that documentary, you got to see that shit. Yeah. That I, is beautiful. But there are even... Life is beautiful. You know, there's, there's theories that, like... The exit through the gift shop is actually an entirely scripted thing, and Banksy made the whole thing. And it's like, oh, he was not just interviewed in the process; he was the brains created, behind the whole he thing. He created a character in whoever that other artist, Mr. Was. Brainwash. Yeah, Mr. Brain. Like he created, created a villain. You like yeah. hate the guy, but you love him at the same time. Like that's how I ended up like coming away from that with that guy. Is it was like, it was almost beautiful. Like it, it was. It was like such a critique on culture mm-hmm. that that you can just if everybody's saying it's cool, like and that's what's so cool is he's like calling around to get endorsements. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if I just get the right endorsements, it's art. Yeah. And then right? basically he's just copying everything that Banksy like all <laughs> yeah. the stuff looked like something Banksy would have made, and then at the end it's like, Well, we think that Banksy actually did yeah, make he probably all that did stuff. Make that. And like the guy on the side of the road that was like, I'm selling original Banksy's and like mm-hmm. a couple of people bought them and the rest of them are like, You're full of crap and it they were original Banksy's mm-hmm. and it was Banksy. And that people was were selling buying them. them for like five bucks yeah. and like ten dollars. And, and it now. was actually Banksy selling them. Like yeah. it's so funny. It's brilliant. Yes. Oh. Man, I everything he touches is just like it's gonna it's gonna succeed. Well, it see, it's, like, it's almost like the contrast between him and uh, what's that other the Obey mm-hmm. um, Shepherd Fairy. Yeah, it's like there's a difference between them two because they both make street art. Mm-hmm. But Banksy does something that's so much more subversive. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, like, Obey is corporate. It's, like, sold in, mm-hmm. like, every every uh, store in the mall, you yeah. know? But Absolutely. Banksy is almost, like, elevated because he's so anti-corporate, you know? Yeah. So they're both making street art, but it, one seems, like, exploitive of the art, and one seems exploitive of, like human nature like uh popular culture right. or some shit well know? like like shepherd fairy now gets paid and commissioned to go do graffiti um mm. and his you know and everyone knows who he is they know his face whereas banksy is like no i'm i'm staying under the radar number one because that's awesome to be mysterious and number two probably because he could go to jail for all the stuff he's done um but instead of him getting paid to like make street art he like sneaks into museums and glues his artwork to the wall mm-hmm. and is like I'm just gonna vandalize some more. It, like, it's like, it, yeah, it's it's um, it's having the opportunity to be commissioned, but choosing to vandalize anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, he's like Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah, that it's definitely he is a modern. Where day he's like, he's Robin like Hood. taking the art world and giving it back to people. He's like mm-hmm. taking it away from the elite and saying, no, art is for everyone. Which the elites love. <laughs> you know like, it is they, so they awesome it, they eat they're like up. well they love to be told fuck you 
Like oh, elites yeah. love that. Like that's why rock and roll is such a big deal. That's why rap's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, rap is funded by white kids that are being told fuck you mm-hmm. and that's what they're buying like i almost i think of it like whenever i used to listen to eminem mm-hmm. i almost felt um like assaulted at the end of the <laughs> album i'm like he assaulted me but i liked it yeah you know like like you almost feel like he's taking something from you but in taking that from you he's giving you something more you know uh-huh. it's like it is like there's something crazy about about you know always wanting the the art that offends your parents almost you know like you <laughs> yeah. want it to be offensive yeah if it's not offensive it's bullshit you know mm-hmm. if it's not offensive then it's just corporate propaganda like being shoved down your throat you know right right have you okay so you've seen liar liar oh yeah oh it, it, yeah it makes me think of that scene where the the woman finds out that he can't lie and so she like drags him into a boardroom uh-huh. and he like tells him like you're an asshole your yeah. toupee looks <laughs> ugly and you're a slut and they yeah. love it they think it is so funny yeah, he's like, like he's like overweight loser slut yes and yes like, and it's yeah. like it's like these these like high and mighty powerful people <laughs> just love oh, to yeah. be like just shot down like they lo- tell me more. Tell me how uh-huh. much you hate me. And yeah, there's something wow. really strange about that. There is something, and maybe that's Donald Trump. Maybe Donald Trump is bringing Jim Carrey into the boardroom and having <laughs> him say "fuck you" to everybody. You know, like that might be. Which 2018 Jim Carrey would be a force to reckon with? Oh, dude. Have you caught up with him lately? Yeah. Like on, oh yeah. Like his artwork that he's mm-hmm. making, and like, and he kind of has gone back or has this philosophy of his life now where I've accomplished a lot, but like that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Did you see his comedians in cars getting coffee? No, I didn't. Damn it. I watched so many of those and I was not impressed. And then Jim Carrey was on there and I didn't even know that. Yeah. He like takes him out and there's this one part where he like stands up in his seat. He has like his little like non-calorie sweetener for his tea and he like, and it's in little droplets. And he stands up on the booth and puts the cup on the floor. And he's like, I'm gonna try and make it into the cup. And he like, he drops it. And then he has the most sincere look on his face. And he just smiles. And he's smiling like from his soul. And he looks at he looks at Jerry Seinfeld and is like, you know, sometimes it really doesn't take a lot. Or he says it, it shouldn't take a whole lot to just be really proud of yourself. And then he like gets his oh. like. Oh my gosh, I think he just changed my life. Yeah, I had a person say recently to me, they were like, yeah, but Jim Carrey's really gone off the deep end. And it's like, I know, isn't it awesome? Yeah. Like to me, or it's has like, he, or has he like really found, he's like probably the most sane no, and that, stable celebrity that is, there is. So I think that the problem is most people are standing on the ledge and they don't ever dive in. So, and even Jim Carrey for all those years, so talented, mm-hmm. so brilliant, doing all these great things. He realized I was on the ledge. I hadn't even jumped yet. Mm-hmm. Like, and so he's disappointed because now he's realizing that he's been on a ledge his whole life and never been brave enough to take that jump to mm-hmm. the next level. You know, so it's <clears throat> well, and it's all dependent on other people, what other people are thinking, and what everyone expects him to be, and uh-huh. what they 
you know, there should be a progression of what, what you are. You should climb this and after you do this movie, you should be doing this movie and then you should have this talk show. And, and you, you should, should be smiling and you should be wearing a nice suit and you should be getting uh-huh. these pictures and you should be doing this. Yeah. And you should. And it's all these things that everybody's telling him to do and he's always done them just because he's like, this is it. This is what you're supposed mm-hmm. to do. And then you jump, you go off the deep end and that's the only time that you're actually free. Like mm-hmm. before you jump off that ledge, you're still a slave to the system. Mm-hmm. Now that he's jumped, now you're going to see some really interesting things that Jim Carrey's doing. And hopefully it's offensive <laughs> because then it's art. Mm-hmm. Then it's beautiful. Then it's pushing right. because it's so funny. Like uh, one of the things, like whenever I was in high school, I, I started saying anytime something offends me, I have to look into it more. You know, so like one of the things, one of the times I started listening to Joe Rogan, he's like, oh, I'm an atheist and Christianity, all of it's bullshit. And you'd have to be an idiot to believe this. And he's going off and and I'm like being offended, you know, mm-hmm. like it was like, damn, dude, this is my whole life. I grew up with this. Um, I go to Sunday school. I put work in and I know there's something more to it than you're missing. And so I was, I, I took offense to it, but it was intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. why am I offended by that? Why does mm-hmm. that offend me? Why mm-hmm. am I worried? Like if if he thinks this, why, you know, and mm-hmm. then you start digging into that and, and you kind of realize, this is kind of one of the things I've realized is that nobody actually believes what they say. <laughs> They're just saying what they think, right? right. Your belief is, di- is deeper than what you think. Yeah. But so often we confuse what I think as what I believe when it's really like, what I think is not what I believe. What I believe is how I actually act and, mm-hmm. you know, how I actually see the world and stuff. So, like, you got a lot of people who believe themselves, like, I'm not racist, but they are racist, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you have the inverse. You have people that think, oh, I'm a, I'm a white privileged person and I, I have to just be a racist. I'm probably <laughs> a racist. I have to rebel against my, my racist nature uh-huh. whenever it's like, no, you know, like there's a lot of people who are not racist that maybe are prejudiced, but everybody's prejudiced and you should be prejudiced, you know, mm-hmm. like it's like stepping onto when I told you earlier, I was doing some jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I'm very prejudiced whenever I go there because there are killers there, right? <laughs> you know, so I have to judge people based off of if I yeah. think that they're going to kill me or not, you know, mm-hmm. and you look around the room and it's almost like the more the people you're more suspect of. It's probably because you should be more suspect, though, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the people you don't expect anything of, you look at them and you're like, oh, man, that what a joke. Mm-hmm. This guy's a joke. Look at him. He's kind of he's kind of looks like a little out of shape. He's choking your ass out, right? You <laughs> underestimated him, you know? So it's kind of like one of those things. You, you need to be developing your prejudice. You mm-hmm. need to be developing your insight into human nature, into, like, reading people for what they present themselves to be you know like you need that needs to be something that's celebrated because that's what makes us different like yeah absolutely and that's the beautiful thing like i i don't want everybody to be the same culture right like i want people to be different culture and i hope that i can recognize that yeah i can i hope that i can i can look at it like you know like the mexicans um i'm half mexican but the mexicans the way they treat family Mm-hmm. The way they expect things from family, the way that they interact from grandparents to grandkids and all this stuff, it's stereotypical, right? But it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, it's I, hope, I hope it's a true stereotype. I hope it's, yeah, cultural. I, 
And I want to recognize that. I want to recognize how it's different than me so that I can maybe exploit it. Maybe I can learn it. Maybe mm-hmm. I can grow in that, you know, and the same thing, vice versa. There's things in every culture that need to be acknowledged and worked away from. Every culture, every family, every person. There, there are tendencies that you've been brought up to believe that you need to work away from, which is why art should be offensive because mm-hmm. it helps you work away from what you want to be towards what you could be or you have the opportunity to be maybe mm-hmm. or something like that. And I think that kind of mentality would help with, you know, just the extreme polarization we have in our country right now is just we have two sides that are just like shouting at each other just like throwing bombs at the other one back and forth where it's like, if everyone would just stop, how about y'all pair up and everyone just listen to each other for a little bit. You'll take in a lot. Cause I would consider myself, I'm pretty middle of the road. I'm always like from a, a young age, I've always just understood there's two sides to every story. Let's listen to both, which is, it's been good. But then also it's terrible because I have a hard time ever making decisions because I'm like, no, I understand where you're coming from and I understand where you're coming from. And I think a lot of the problems that I see with people that I know um, when they you know, have really strong political opinions is that we're, we have a really hard time listening and a really easy time like just sharing our opinion because what I'm doing right now is sharing my opinion that everyone should listen to other people's opinion. But that's still my opinion. So it's kind of, I don't know. You can't really do it perfectly, and we're never going to solve all the problems that our country has. But I think that listening is something we have forgotten to do. Listening and then trying to understand and to celebrate the fact that we are different and that people have opposing views. And it'd be okay. Just agree to disagree. It would be cool if instead of us both pointing out how each other's plans are going to fail, if we like collaborated on how plans to succeed, you know, Mm -hmm. like I did like accurately identify the problem because we all agree on the problems. Oh, yeah. Whether you're right or left or (laughs) American or not American or I mean, like that's the thing is you could sit me next to an Australian and I can tell you if he's an asshole or if he's not an asshole. And I could, you know, like probably pretty quickly. And we're probably going to agree on a lot of things like, hey, we should clean up the oceans. Do you agree with that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do I agree with that? Yes. Okay. We, we go next step, right? Let's try to find all these places that we agree on. Right. And if we started working from that side instead of the areas that we disagree on, mm-hmm. if we started working on the sides that we agree on, I think it would be a more positive movement, you know? And, and maybe you could have at the end of an election, they shake hands mm-hmm. and they say, America won, <laughs> right? Like yeah. America won. Like I, yeah. I am a really, I'm a really good candidate and this really good candidate beat me and America won. It's beautiful. Let's work yeah. together. Let's figure this out. Let's go. Yeah. You know, like it would be so much more. And I mean, I even think in like personal life, you know, like that's the thing is everything is a, a an epicosm. Is that the right word? What's the big thing? I'm, I'm, mm. I'm going blunt. I'm going dumb on this. I'm thinking like ectoplasm, but I think that's yeah. part of an animal cell. <laughs> hmm. I think we're both uh, there's we both know what I'm talking about, though, right? Do you think we could assume like the micro, larger, no, ma- micro, small, macro, macrocosm. Cost. Damn, that's it. I think macrocosm. I think everybody maybe knew what we were talking about. The word There's probably we were a lot of people for. shouting. 
hopefully, hopefully they were shouting. You idiots. You idiots. But everything is a microcosm. So like even like with me and Shannon, you know, I can either oppose her or Mm -hmm. I can work with her. Mm -hmm. One has a us both being happy and one has us both being miserable, you know. So it is kind of like an interesting thing that uh, something that works in your household uh, or works interpersonally. Mm -hmm. We do not expand into this larger realm, you know. Mm We, we don't take the functionality. We only, like, amplify the dysfunction, maybe, or something like that. Right. Maybe something crazy like that. We're at uh, two hours and seven minutes. <laughs> I've got two more quick questions. Okay. Um, what is your definition of success? Definition of success. Wow. Um, this might take me a second. Let me think. I think your a definition of success would be that you are someone who continues to grow, continues to try, and you're never content for too long. Mm. That would be successful. That at the end of your life, you're still learning, you're still curious, and you're still changing. It's like you maintain the uh, the hope of a child kind of like yeah the, like I would hate I would of... hate to think that I would ever like be a 70 year old that just shrugs and is like well this is it we've done it all there's no more to glean from life here we are mm-hmm. it's like no let your brain still be alive let it go off the deep end yeah you know I love those old I love old people I love all old people <laughs> not all of them people actually because we don't, the same, we don't respect old like the elderly as much as we should as but, much as we should but those but those people that hit that level where they've they've basically life has forced them off the deep end um mm-hmm. because they're no longer pretty they're no longer youthful there's no hiding it anymore mm-hmm. and they don't give a damn I love those old people. Something you know? my mom said something the other day, and I've been I've probably told eighteen people about it now. But um, she was like, "There's this saying that when you're in your twenties, you think everyone is talking about you, or you you care what everyone thinks when you're twenty. You care what everyone thinks when you're fifty. You quit caring what everyone thinks, and then when you're seventy, you realize no one was thinking about you in the first oh, place. Oh, that's like, brilliant, man! So, like, how great would it be if I learned that lesson now and just mm. had the freedom to live my life and understand that no one cares what I'm putting on social media, no one cares what I'm wearing, no one cares unless if I'm, they, if I'm a cool teacher or not. And, no and if you're cares. putting that out, the people that do care. Will let you know, and mm-hmm. and those are your allies, you know. Yeah, but you just and and you just have the freedom to. You just have so much more freedom to do anything. You're not limited by, well, would so and so be okay with this? And you know, when you think about specific people in your brain who you care what they think about you, it's like, eh, they probably aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves mm. because you're thinking about yourself. Ooh, and so shit. It's just, and it's an elevated level of thought to think about other people. Like mm-hmm. that's why the gospel is so revolutionary mm-hmm. is because he's essentially saying, stop thinking about yourself. It's quite stop. possible that this is not about you. <laughs> yeah, stop. <laughs> like, it's like, and before you ask me this question, ask yourself this question. You know, mm-hmm. like that's how he like approaches everything. He's like, ask yourself, do I give a shit about 
somebody that has nothing to benefit me? Mm-hmm. Do I care about my enemies? Like, do I, there's all these people in my life that I could care about, but instead I choose to care about myself, mm-hmm. you know? That's almost like a prison that you like step, almost like stepping into the box. It's like mm-hmm. a prison you can find yourself to based off of the way you think. It's yeah. kind of crazy. And yeah, and so once you stop living for yourself, you know, if I, I think about like teenagers, if teenagers could just get like, understand like there are people who need friends and you can be that like really cool person that's just friends with everyone and is just kind and all of that but they can't get out of that like but it makes me uncool and it's like well if you would quit caring about being cool and did those things and then you become uncool well you don't you don't think about yourself anyway like you Mm -hmm. don't care what people think and so it just works out but then i need to turn around and like what is it they say like you you feed out the advice so readily that you need to give yourself and so it's like yeah i need to be doing that too where it's like who who cares what my colleagues or my peers think as long as i think that i'm doing the right thing and how could like thinking about other people ever be the wrong thing Mm. yeah interesting okay so the next thing is uh do you have a song that you'd like to close the podcast out with a song hmm you just be like your current jam, your favorite jam, your uh, maybe your nighttime jam. I don't know. My current favorite jam, man. Okay. Or it doesn't even have to. We don't have to put that much pressure. It doesn't have to be your favorite. Just like okay, it can just be top. I mean, even if it's I mean, if if you consider how much music is actually out in the world, if even if it's mm-hmm. your top twenty five, it's probably some good shit. You know. Mm, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, everyone would probably, if they know me, expect me to drop a killer song. Mm-hmm. Killer's song. Um, which, I mean, I really do love the man. But it's not Wednesday. It's not Killer Wednesday. It's Killer Friday. I actually told my students this week, I'm going to be gone this week, so y'all are going to have a Killer Friday instead of a Killer <laughs> Wednesday. Um, I'll sacrifice that. Um I would say that the man is actually a hilarious song because he's singing about how like he's the man, like he's awesome, uh, and the lead singer is actually one of the most humble people on this planet. Mm. And the whole song is actually like, I'm not shit, like I'm I'm just a man, like, like I'm, a, I'm nothing, like a Weezer, like a, um, like Beverly Hills, you know. Like I, the he he says he like looks back on how he was when he first started singing, which I guess that's what we should close with because this is what I've been talking about. Is that he says. I look back on what I was when we first got big, like um, when the Killers released Hot Fuss, and mm-hmm. he thought he was just hot stuff. And he looks back and kind of cringes on it. And he's like, no. And so they released this song where they're like, I got gas in the tank. I got money in the bank. Like, I'm the man. But really, he's like, I'm not. Yeah. I'm nothing special. I'm just a dude with a pulse mm-hmm. who can sing. Mm-hmm. That's it. Dang. So I think it's a good... Good reminder, but also a lovely toe tapper. Yeah, nice. So, The Man by The Killers. Yep. All right, cool. So I'm, I'm the, the woman. The woman. Yeah. See, I always felt like, and granted, I'm a man, so this might be like one of those like mansplaining type thing. <laughs> I always thought that man referred to like the entire race. Oh, yeah. I was jealous growing up that females got their own designation because man was te- like, like man, it was everybody. It was like mm-hmm. the species of man, yeah, right? Of man, and yeah, then, or, and or then, like in in scripture when it always says like man, it never says woman. Yeah, I've just come to be like, eh, it it's means, talking to me too. It means human. Yeah, I mean like it's it's human 
mm-hmm. you know, person. It's whatever. But I was I was always jealous growing up because I was like, man, they get like they get like woman, you know, like I only get man. Like, you know, like I can only refer to myself as one thing. Like I, I can't subspecies I subspecify huh. myself, specify maybe, subspecify mm. myself, right? I'm right. man, and then they get to be woman if they want to. I'm male, <laughs> and they get to be female if they want. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's two different designations. It's like right. human, That that's how I guess I, human or female. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's how I always picture it. I don't think it. I've ever thought of that. Yeah. But, huh. That's anyway. that's one for us. Yeah. 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 I was always jealous. <laughs> so uh, you got some plugs. You got some, some plugs. Yeah. Um. Well. You got your artwork hanging up anywhere. I have some artwork hanging up at Palace Coffee okay. in Canyon. Palace Texas. and Canyon. Mm-hmm. Canyon, Texas. Um. I have artwork here and there and everywhere. Um. But I do have my Instagram. That's probably the best yeah. way um, to contact me. It's just my my first and last name is my handle, and. I don't have Facebook anymore, so I would say Instagram. Instagram's a good way. Is 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 the spot? I have my email and there. The, you have an Etsy. I do have a an link Etsy through your and, Instagram. And it's linked your through Etsy. my Instagram. Um, it's got a few things on there, like um, like prints mm-hmm. of of stuff. But in terms of like custom work, all of that's just going to be through Instagram. Yeah, so. hit hit you up and yep. and. Throw out some commissions and collaborations. Commissions. If you like something, just send me a message. I'll probably sell it to you. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Get that work out in the world. Yeah, get it out there. Sweet. Okay, so Instagram. Hit that Hit that on Instagram mm-hmm. pretty much. Hit that yep. follow. Yep. If I ever do an Instagram live with Wilson Lemieux, be sure to tune in. Dude, it was good. It'll I, be a... Uh, it was a good It'll one. Make you scratch your head. I was like, I was very confused the whole time, and I thought y'all had orchestra. I thought it was like a it's business. Funny. Move. Yeah, it's funny now that you say like it seemed like an organized thing, and it's like no, it was really weird. Like you didn't, you understood it about as much as I did, <laughs> and Wilson too. It just happened. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I mean, I'm watching it as like a completely objectified like consumer of the uh-huh. of the bit. They, they have put this together. They've been working and on I, it and collaborating. I was like, man, she must be like, it looks like she's a teacher, but maybe she's like branching out. You know, maybe mm-hmm. she's getting out of that world. She's trying to strike it rich, you know, yeah. like she's moving into that world of uh, kill or be killed, you know, mm-hmm. like that business world. That's what yep. I was thinking. But yep. then what in reality it was, is just yeah, an old friend just, hitting you up, huh? Yeah, it was just a random on happening. Was like, what? We were just hanging out. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so uh, you heard it here. Follow Brittany Bush on Instagram. We're about to play out the killers, the man. So enjoy. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Until next time, peace out, people. Boom.